Hey, you ever needed something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? You can do that at Aaron's. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, or refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech. Plus, Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. Life's always changing. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aaron's store or visit Aaron's.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. You got to see your local store for details. Hey guys, it's Steve on my phone in Hawaii where it happens to be turkey season. And it is right now turkey week here at Meat Eater, which means tons of great turkey hunting content. A lot of great offers on turkey gear at TheMeatEater.com and even a calling contest where I am getting my ass thoroughly kicked. Go find it all at TheMeatEater.com. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Presented by First Light, creating proven, versatile hunting apparel from merino base layers to technical outerwear for every hunt. First Light, go farther, stay longer. Turn the machine on, Phil. I'll say a bold statement. <laughs> Machine's on, Steve. You want to hear a bold statement? Let's start the show out? Yeah. Most people, I know this to be true because of anecdotal mm-hmm. evidence. Yep. So it must be true. It must be true because it's anecdotal <laughs> evidence. Most people, like a majority of people who are into falconry came to it not through an interest in hunting. They came to it through an interest in Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I, I Listen. This is a true thing. I've got like probably my left big toe kind of dipped into that world, Steve, and that's absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my brother, Danny, used to live up in Alaska. He lived with some falconers, and they had gotten into huge snakes. They were way into D&D. That's what they called Dungeons and Dragons when I was in high school. Still and... Do. And then got into falconry. All out of like sorcerer stuff. These are people that like to dress up like it's Shakespeare and go to the park and joust. It's called LARPing. Oh, is that right? <laughs> that is called Live LARPing. action role playing. Yeah. What about uh, what about your uh, buddy, the world's greatest small game hunter? Didn't he engage in some... He did. Yes, but he's an exception to the rule. Okay, I yeah. said a majority, meaning if you had 100, 51 of them came through D&D. All right, I'm going to find some exceptions to the D&D. rule. Oh, I know some you. exceptions yeah. to the rule. Phil, uh, just so you know, when I go hunting mm-hmm. and don't successfully kill anything, I just tell people I've been LARPing. <laughs> got, all, got all my stuff. <laughs> go creeping around. Uh-huh. And they just feel bad for you and kind of nod. That's all. That's great, Cal. Right, exactly. John Hayes from uh, Hayes Taxidermy Studio. What do you think about that? You got any strong opinions? You don't want to alienate potential customers. <laughs> See, he's going to start dogging on D&D people. And then some guy was like going to send over his rabbit or whatever. It's all full of talon holes. And then he's like, well, I'm not sending it to him now because he (laughs) dogged on D&D. You got to stay on top. You got to stay in good graces with everybody, don't you? Try to keep everybody happy. Yeah. As a tax (laughs) nurse, you can't afford to alienate people. Man, I, me and Seth know about a tax nurse here in town that has really alienated some people. Just talked to him this morning. Oh, you did. 
Yeah, Do you ever just, go up and beat just, up other taxidermists and get people stuff, <laughs> get people stuff back, and then seize the business for yourself? It's amazing how much stuff I've had brought to me from other shops over the years. Uh, it surprised I didn't like know that was really like a thing. <laughs> I, I've had it. Where but they, why would why would they bring it? Because they're like, I just can't. A guy just pisses them off. Finally, to the point where they just don't want to deal with it anymore. Dodging their calls, takes payment in full, doesn't complete it in a timely manner, and then they go get it and bring it. Yep. And it's just sitting in a freezer for two years or something, or or tanned, or in a yeah. freezer, or yeah, or ruined. Back in the guiding mm-hmm. days, or ruined, we had yeah, or ruined. Yeah. You're that stuff. Oh, dude, <laughs> I'm fully accepting the fact that it's ruined. Oh. Mm. Yeah, not just him, man. Other friends of mine, I feel horrible yeah. about it. Oh no! Paid in full too. A couple friends of mine. We had we had a taxidermist that we worked with for years and was, un, you know, very very good, very reliable. And then uh, and we referred all of our clients to this this guy too. And you know, so I have like an unbelievable amount of store credit to a store that doesn't exist anymore because one day <laughs> where do I take this credit now yeah one day right yeah. it was just like like guy just up and left the whole business the whole deal just and, walked away yeah yeah but he got a no recourse for this like, no no offense dude but people in your business like i don't know where they find them Oh my God. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. Yes. It, I'm always like, yeah, I'm a taxidermist and I'm always waiting for some sort of response or the stories start coming out. I knew this guy and I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. We need to yeah. establish John as like an upstanding member of the taxidermy community. Oh, that's not, he's got a whole, he's got a whole box. He's got a whole box of my stuff. He's got my boy's mule deer. He's got my bear. Which looks beautiful. Well, my bear skull, I already got my bear rug back. The bear skull looks beautiful. That'll be another question for you later is um, uh, why sometimes, and, but I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it's not out of laziness, but a great mm-hmm. question that I pe- think people have for tax nervous is um, what is the holdup sometimes? Well, you can think like, about it. You can answer now if you want. I don't care. I can tell you what the holdup's been the last year is uh, the tanneries oh. with uh, COVID. I uh, actually just received four goats back that I brought into me in uh, fall of 20. I just got them back. So it's not even your fault. No, no, it's just, we're just, uh, we have stuff that's been out for a year and a half and it's, it's still there. It's being processed um, and everything's coming back fine. But yeah, I'm definitely starting to uh, get the phone calls. We're like, are you sure it's okay? I'm like, I'm sure it's okay. It's just, there's nobody there to man the tannery for so long. They're short staffed. Very short staffed. We finally split it up between four tanneries this year just to try to not overwhelm one place. And so we can get our turnaround times a little better. Do you oh. ever have tanneries lose your stuff? No, thank God. Knock, knock on wood there. I haven't had that happen yet. I've had it, that happen before. It's hard for them to uh, lose stuff these days. You know, like uh, you'll, we'll have a seal put in it that's got our name and our code on it. Then it's punched with our invoice number. Um, any distinguishing marks we always document. So if they sent me the wrong thing back, it'd be pretty obvious. Yeah. And then, I want to be one of the top crises in the taxidermy world, right, is <laughs> cape condition. Yes. And, and making sure it's my cape. Yes. Yep. And so the punches and the seals, that, that helps make sure that that's accurate. I, I remember a long time ago we did one and mounted it up for a guy and he came in and he was like, oh, it looks great. Comes back the next day and he's like, this isn't my deer. And we're like, that's yeah, your deer. And he brought a picture out and yeah, the capes got switched around. And he's like, different haircut. Well, like, oh, it looked that t- was, was babies. I didn't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was totally different. So 
at that shop. I was working at that time. That's when we started implementing the seals, not just huh. a punch. You, I one t- time, you tell already this guy's reputable. Yeah. I one Des- time despite, sent, his oc- uh, despite his occupation. <laughs> Des- despite his calling. His crowd. I, sent a, I sent a coyote that was like super red one time to the tannery. It looked like a red fox, but mm-hmm. it was coyote. And uh, a couple months later, I get my coyote back in the mail and open it up, and it's freaking gray as gray can be. You got to wonder like how much when you bring meat to a processor, because you got no way of knowing. Yeah. <laughs> Like uh, there with a, with a cape or a bear or something, you'd be like, "Look, man, the bear I shot had a big white splotch on its chest, and this bear is red." Yeah, right. But like, how much meat? They're like, I don't know, those elk. Just give them an elk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's from that person's over there, but whatever. Yeah. yeah, like that elk rotted. He'll probably never come back for it. <laughs> give that guy, give that guy that elk, and that guy that elk, and probably happens all the time. Oh, man. And tell the guy who's calling right now that we're really backed up. Because <laughs> <laughs> of COVID. <laughs> oh, when people hear this, I'll be $1,000 richer. Why is that, Steve? Well, I'll tell you why, because I'm going to win that derby tomorrow, Ducks on Ice. Oh, yeah. You could be $2,500 richer if you catch the biggest fish of the whole damn thing. Oh, there's a side pot. There's, oh, a, there's a side thing. If you if you have, if you're fish... A snag a carp. No, no, it's between... It's between burbot, walleye, and perch. If you happen to catch the biggest fish out of the entire derby, you win $2,500. Well, why would we not just spend tomorrow tip up and for burbot and win all that money? Well, th- I mean, that could be your strategy. It could be. There's the the time, like the the timing for... It's not good for it's burbot. It's not good for burbot. Unless you, can't you go start, deep. You can't start till eight. Well, I tried that last. I tried that on my birthday, and let me tell you how that went. <laughs> right. That was a long day. You were eight, not eight? in Flag City. We were running, what, 19 tip-ups? 20, uh, 18, 20, something like that. Salmon belly, the salmon fins that I brought back from Alaska, like the little, yep. uh, what do you call them, little pectoral fin. We had, I don't know, when 20 you put, acres covered in tip-ups. And you lower that thing in, and just <laughs> oil comes off it. Sucker strips that I bought off my kid, not a <laughs> not a flag. Well, no, one falls trip. Yep, probably some trout dicking. At it. the time of year when it's supposed to be on fire. Well, for bourbon. a year ago, a year earlier, twenty four. Yep, we went from twenty four to zero. Man, Canyon Ferry, in my opinion, I don't know what's different this year, but I think they should just different. Yeah. The water's super low. So I think yeah. they should just blow the damn drain the whole thing now. It's useless. Yeah, like tomorrow's gonna be the worst day in the world. I think they should fill it. I think they should manage it for. But I'm still everything other than trout. Yeah, man. Like it's so weird there. Like if you catch a perch, it's gonna be bigger than a walleye that you catch. Yeah, more than likely. Yeah, so strange. My daughter yesterday said, "I've memorized it." She said, "Would you stop talking about that? No one even knows what a derby is." Now I'm thinking I should go tomorrow. You're like, it's how daddy's going to make you, his I living. I thought you couldn't go. <laughs> I thought it was Sunday, not Saturday. No, you can still go buy the thing. It's 40 bucks to get in. It's for Ducks Unlimited. 50 might, bucks at the door. Yeah. I might join. Well, I just to, I'm not, I don't mean to moral, to outshoot you morally, but I also included a $5 donation. I did ten. I'll include ten. <laughs> ten. For <laughs> He's always got to outdo everybody. No, He's I was always like, got to outdo everybody. I was, I was like, just trying. To, I was just a modest little, you know, nod. I was so shocked that I did, wasn't buying it at the door. That I was <laughs> actually ahead of something. That I was <laughs> like, like, I'm going to give him that at the door. I'm going to pay like it was normal, <laughs> yeah. which normally I would do this at the last minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, might, I might join. 
Oh, Cal, hit us real quick with um, – I know it's like early and you haven't read everything yet, but the, oh. the Eagle study that's sure making its rounds right now, man. What's your take? What's your take? Um, Half of all Eagles? So if you, if you haven't read the study, but you're only reading headlines, uh, you would it would seem that there's a bunch of anti-hunters out there that came out with the study that says hunters are killing all the Eagles in the U.S. Half of them. Um, and uh, as with uh, studies, they can be applied in certain ways. And what this was, was they, they did a study in the U.S. of uh, eagle health and... Can I interrupt you for a second? Yes, Is this sir. bald and golden? Bald or? and golden, yeah. Okay, so both of them. And, uh, you know, I think there were like 1,500 eagles captured um, or, or, or analyzed in the study. And, and then that, right, is like... And then if you applied that to the entire United States, that's this is what you could get. Um, for, I guess, like, the dose of reality is... Uh, do not pay attention to things that that's, uh, compare the effects of lead on people to the effects of lead on birds. Uh, turns out we're very different, uh, aside from the flying. <laughs> and, and the highly acidic stomach of a... The highly acidic stomach. <laughs> so the, the feathers throw me off, too. Yeah, you know. Um, I've seen some people eat in similar ways, but... Uh, you know, lead does have a fast and and oftentimes deadly effect on on birds that eat carrion, and you know that that is the truth. So, um, you know, the other thing to look at here, though, is uh, eagle populations in much of the country are, are actually expanding and growing, and so it comes down to this conversation that you'll hear many many times like the individual versus the population are we having population level effects and where those things are overlapping would be like the case of like the california condor right where if you were to kill an individual that individual's death could then have an overall effect on the population so um i'm going to do more of a in-depth go through this thing um on the week in review. This is like broad strokes. That's Cal's week in review, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Cal's week in review. I feel Every like Sunday. Can, I feel like anymore you can't drive like 10 miles without seeing a bald eagle. They're everywhere. No, their PR person <laughs> screwed up. You used to get all excited seeing one. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, some of these uh, headlines are very misleading, as per usual. Um and as per usual, good, you know, good science should be applauded. Um, and lots of people can take that good science and, and apply it in ways where it's like, but if. And that's why you got to read this stuff. Thanks, Cal. We'll be following this one. Listen, I, I'm going to crystal ball it for a minute. And this is going to make everybody all mad. This issue is, here's my crystal ball. This ain't going away. <laughs> and stop <laughs> this discussion is not about to end it is not about that's to end. my crystal ball prediction and you know i always say like you have a choice as a hunter to uh purchase non-toxic ammunition uh, and 
and, you know, non-toxic ammunition, the variety that's on the shelf right now uh, is way broader and way better than it's ever been. And if you choose to hunt with that stuff, you're not going to have uh, these secondary effects, right? You're, you're going to kill the thing that you're shooting and not the things that are eating the leftovers. Yeah, I don't want to equate it to like uh, spanking little kids, but it's just fading out sort of in its own way, you know? Um, like when I was a little kid, every kid got spanked all the time. Now there's not that many kids get spanked anymore. And I feel like a lot of people are just, and no one made a law about it, right? But I just feel like more and more people I know, regardless of whether they're thinking about raptors or whatever, are, for big game at least, shooting mono, copper bullets. Did you see the article a couple weeks ago on uh, the phasing out of whaling due to the market, right? Like the market oh. dictates. Oh, like people are buying less of the whale oil. Yeah, or whale products, right? Yeah. And, or the industries that still use whale oil for stuff. Uh, and you think about, you know, the crazy screaming bloody murder on, on the whale topics and, you know, like there's alternatives hitting the market every day type of thing. And that's what yeah. is ending whale industries in, in certain areas. Hey, Corinne, why did you, uh, why did you decide it's not, a, is it because it has nothing to do with our subject matter on this podcast that you removed the COVID Yankee Candle review? That's so funny. Article, <laughs> okay, which is the funniest thing okay, I've read all week. Okay, let's hit it, but yeah. <laughs> so everybody knows that Yankee Candles are sort of like, like if your grandma has a candle in her house, it's probably a Yankee Candle. People like them because they have a very potent, potent candles. No, nothing subtle about them. And someone, I, I haven't even totally explored it, but someone tracked COVID outbreaks with reviews of bad reviews of Yankee Candle. <laughs> <laughs> it has no smell. Whenever there's a big spike in a COVID outbreak, there's a big spike in Yankee Candle reviews that it doesn't have any smell. This candle sucks. <laughs> I it was just so damn funny, man. I mean, really, the graph like tracks. Like, is oh, it, yeah. just, you just lay both charts on Oh, yeah, over at Yankee Candle, other, yeah. like, this could be a rough week, bro. Custom. <laughs> <laughs> Customer service, cases, cases are spiking. <laughs> People are not smelling their candles. Uh, oh, so Brody got, you know, I don't want to say it was a, not like a PR crisis because it's like a not very widely viewed thing, but Brody has now developed a track record of yeah. being something about his tonality when discussing dog With issues. dogs, yeah. yeah. I don't... Brody gets to talking about dogs. Corey gets to getting emails of people that are mad at him. Yep. And I'll, uh, you know, I'm a dog owner. I love dogs. You've always had dogs. Yeah. Yeah. You've always had hunting dogs. Yep. Yep. First one was Boogie People really think he's like a bad dog person. These people got madder than the Golden Retriever owners. Eventually this will get to PETA, I feel like, but. So Brody observed. Did you catch what they called you? Did they call you a jack wagon or an ass hat or something like that? Yeah, it was along those lines. Yeah, yeah. something in that vein. Like, I think I think both. A category, <laughs> a category of insult. Um, Brody said. Brody observed. Yeah, we were talking about dispassionately observed. Yes, <laughs> going back, we were talking. A gentleman wrote us about he had an injured deer in his yard, 
that his dog went out and injured it further, <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Added um, insult to injury. Yes. And we were chatting about it, and I made a comment that, and I, I made the comment that- This in, is on the skip the flip, in episode places, In certain states, if you see a dog chasing deer, harassing big game, attacking big game, it is legal to shoot the dog. That got extrapolated out to me condoning the killing of domestic no, dogs. No, it's this. It is reported. This is on a thing called uh, a, a Facebook group called Army of Orange, which I like the I like yeah. the name. Uh, it is reported that this jack wagon, <laughs> this being Brody Henderson, it is reported that this jack wagon spouts off encouraging the shooting of domestic dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Let him and his sponsors and his publishers know how you feel. What's funny is the guy making the post hasn't listened, obviously, because he just says it is reported. It is reported. <laughs> yeah, he's and he provides a link and he's already calling for a boycott. Yeah, and basically what I was doing was making the case that you should train your dog not to chase deer, right? Because bad things happen when dogs chase and attack deer. And in a lot of places, uh Pet dogs kill a lot of deer. I had a grade school biology teacher here in Missoula, Montana, who was like, I see a dog chasing a deer, I kill it. That's right. That was like fifth grade growing up in Missoula, Montana, which for those of you unfamiliar with Montana would be seen as the liberal part of the state. It's the Paris of West Central Montana. (laughs) Yeah, that would be the other thing you hear often. You hear that often. That's what I was thinking right away. (laughs) Especially from folks in Lib. Oh, where those uh, Frenchies from Missoula came up. Uh, His concern is legitimate. Sure. His concern is, hey man, there's a lot of states where you're allowed to legally use dogs to hunt deer, which I support. Where that's legal, I think it should stay. Where it's legal and has been legal, I think it should stay legal. And he points out that a lot of hound hunters um, are very reluctant to let their dogs work on public land during deer season for fear that vigilante uh, people such as Brody will gun them down. I don't actually hunt deer. I hunt dogs. But every every dog (laughs) now and then gets an incidental deer. (laughs) Regardless of if you've trained your dog to run deer, every dog owner has a long list of serious concerns for different times of year on like where you're going to take your dog. Right. So yeah, it's like, like in that's the winter, it'll get tangled up in a snare and the, you know. yeah. So th- his point was good, but then what's funny is he gets riled up and he's like, if that's true, I want you to post the law. Right. <laughs> Probably someone post the law. <laughs> from, yeah. From uh, Brody state. Read how they word it, Brody. You want the general rule. Yeah. Right? Like, Someone's like, and but this he, is from someone pointed out. Someone points out. He's like, he's not. Say, he didn't say you should. He's just saying it is. And they're like, well, it's not. Yeah. And then someone's like, well, no, it's statute. Blah blah blah. I was saying, if you don't want that to happen, teach your dog not to chase deer. And in Pennsylvania, the 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 law says a dog declared a public nuisance pursuant to section twenty three eighty four relating to declaring dogs public nuisances may be killed by any commission officer at any time or by any person when the dog is found to be in the act of attacking a big game animal. And you're then supposed to report it. Yes. 
Then you get called and uh any person who kills a license this is this is crazy. That's if you kill a licensed dog. Mm-hmm. If you you could kill a non-licensed dog and nothing happens in Pen- in Pennsylvania, if you kill a licensed dog, you shall notify the owner or a commission officer within 48 hours after the dog was killed. Now, I I really do want to point out that I'm in favor of this law and probably oh, not. So you're for coming th- out on record. He wasn't even yeah. say, he didn't even pass he didn't pass not a value for judgment. the reason that you're thinking. I'm oh. in favor of this law because there are so many shitty dog owners out That's there. That's right. And oftentimes, I have been able to say, uh, you know, you should really uh, teach your dog not to run deer or go under the three-strand barbed wire fence and chase that guy's cattle around because they they can legally kill your dog. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I also have to say, like, I would be like the most crushed individual you have ever seen. If somebody were to shoot my dog, I can attest to that. Which is why, <laughs> which, which is still, why I train and you my still damn dog. Think people should be able to shoot your dog. Yes, hmm. it's up to you. Responsibilities. Bold statement from Cal. I want people to know that that was not Brody, because Cal said it. <laughs> no one's gonna care. <laughs> but Brody, they're like that. Brody and dogs. Here goes that Brody yes. spouting off about yeah. them dogs. We're getting Brody. What was the last thing you said that was Christmas. real bad? That the Golden Retriever is the dumbest dog on the planet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I still stand by that. <laughs> Man, we're, we're launching a new series where Brody, Brody has to train. <laughs> He's got to train a Golden Retriever next year. It'd just be a show we should drop like every Friday night. It'd be like Brody. With ten new things about <laughs> ten new opinions about dogs. You can have the picture over Number the shoulder. One. Don't like that. Remember like Letterman's like list thing? Yeah, yeah. Like top ten list. Yeah, top ten top ten things on Brody's I can mind come up with regarding dogs. Yeah. Oh my god. This actually needs to be a formalized segment. A weekend update segment. Uh so there's that. Uh moving down. Oh, if you do in Pennsylvania kill a dog who's attacking a big game animal. The owner, if the dog was licensed, the owner is allowed to get the information about the time, place, and circumstances relating to the death of the dog, and they're allowed to learn the location. Oh, that's kind of included in place. Uh, Also, angry listeners. (laughs) No, No, not angry listeners. I explained why when you're from Southern Illinois, you are not Southern. And and some people got mad about that. <laughs> he said, one guy writes in, I promise you, that is the most inaccurate thing you've ever said. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bold, bold statement. There. He invites me to come down and hunt deer, squirrel, or turkey in Pope County, Illinois, and then come see for myself if the people there are Southern or not. I think you'd be amazed. He says, we are the <laughs> furthest possible from the people who ice fish up in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, I was on your side until I actually looked at a map because I did not realize how south Illinois, how Land far south Illinois goes. Land of Lincoln, bro. Nah. You can't be from the same place Lincoln was from. Michael Waddell said it. And from the south. And we had an actual southerner, Michael Waddell, agree. If you can ice fish, you're not from the south. <laughs> He, in Georgia, he said, I've never laid eyes on a man ice fishing in Georgia. 
It's on it's on the same, you know, latitude as, as Virginia. It's south of St. Louis. It's pr- not far oh, from Nashville. It's it's pretty Phil, Phil's pulling out It's far the, south. That's good. Yeah. It's, it's down there. Well, you got to draw a line somewhere. That's right. You got to draw a line somewhere. But if you notice, if you go back in your history book, the Mason-Dixon line did not follow a a latitude borders, right? It was like cockeyed kind of line. Do we still use that to? I feel like that's that's not a good way to. No, to I'm gonna make this. a. I'm gonna make a line. We'll just, we should just draw it up. Someone could draw it up. If you ice fish in that state, and then you draw a line at the bottom of the state, and it'll zigzag, and then you'll know the south from the north. Hmm. That's all. Okay, we'll work on that. Sure. Put it on a t-shirt. Yeah. The, I'm looking at a picture <laughs> here that shows the Mason-Dixon line being south of the Illinois border because you can ice fish in Illinois. But it's funny because it, that's how they drew the line back. <laughs> it's funny because it includes Missouri, which well, the, the line shoots up yeah, sure. over well, half the distance of. You probably think of, uh, you probably think of Missouri Compromise as a mullet, but the Missouri Compromise was actually about that very issue. I would love I, love nothing more than to go into a barber shop somewhere. <laughs> and, <laughs> And see the Missouri Compromise as like you point to the picture. Oh, you want that's you the, want the MC? The, that's the haircut I want. Uh, here's some big news I've been following, and that was actually you know I actually wanted to do I wanted to do like do the public comment thing, but it was really hard to do the public comment thing when it was time to do it, like in person public comment. Is they've opened up spear fishing for a number of game fish in Lake Michigan and Lake Huron. Which is great for me in Michigan, but they've drawn it in like a weird way. Um, the areas they've opened up, it's almost like they thought to themselves, "What would be the area that someone would be would be least likely to enjoy success?" And that will be the walleye, northern pike spearfishing area. Meaning what? It's like south of the southern pier in Grand Haven. For Lake Michigan and Lake Huron. So you're talking about like the distribution of the species doesn't. They didn't open up any inland. See, like everything in the Great Lakes are inland, but like a a term would be sort of like inland being not the Great. They didn't open up any non Great Lake waters, Great Lakes proper, right? And then they drew a line where like they opened up Lake Michigan in Michigan waters south of the southern pier, where the Grand River flows into Lake Michigan. If someone said, like, hey, you can now spearfish for northern and walleye in Michigan, that would be the last place I would that would ding in my head is where I'm headed to. Is that something to do with uh, musky populations? No, I don't think so. I think it just has to do with the people, people, the rod and reel crowd, of which I'm a member. Most of them are real fired up about this. They're gotcha. like, oh, they're going to kill them all. It's like, no, they're going to kill, like, five of them. But, um... Uh, tribes didn't want it. Uh, a lot of the rod and reel crowd didn't want it. Spear fishermen had been put in, so they did like this experimental spear fishing season in places that seemed not great. Now, hopefully, there's some guy in Michigan thinking like, "No, you got it all wrong," and he'll write in and tell me how I'm all wrong. But and then we'll go check and it I'll out. Invite you to come out there. And I, I, there's one guy that's been sending me emails about this, and he's been following it, and he did testify on it. And he still views it as a win, 
Oh, you also you got to like fill out like a report about what you did and didn't do. He but, views it as a win because it, it's it's expanding areas for spear fishing. It's open because it's he's the part first, of the spear it's fishing. The first time you could, it's the first time in Michigan you can spear what would be called a game fish. Ah. So they've and and what what my guess is what will happen if if the the good if the goodwill on the part of the fisheries managers extends like well let's see my feeling is that the way they've done it, they are not going to find that all of a sudden there's an overwhelming harvest by spearfish. Yeah, if you were, if your goal was to kill a shitload of walleye, like to get a shitload of walleye, spearfishing is probably not. No. <laughs> no. You know. No. Or lake trout, for that matter. Yeah. You know? I'll tell you, it'll change the physique of a lot of walleye fishermen. Sure will. <laughs> <laughs> need a heavy dive belt. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lead prices are going to go way up. Trying to sink all those. But dudes. it is weird because <laughs> because uh, you, you know in salt water you can spear all kinds of game fish. Yes. Yeah, in freshwater, it's just never been a thing. Freshwater spear fishing, I think, is the new frontier, man. Yeah, and it's like good, but I, I just feel like it's great that they did it. Um, being from there, I I was excited. And then I saw what they're opening, and I was like, ugh. I, like, I was ready to make a special trip, right? Then I saw what they're opening. I mean, I, mean, I go there to see my mom anyways. And th- this border is very near my mom. Yeah, hour drive from my mom's place. Um, but when I saw what they opened, I was like, eh, I'll wait. I don't know. So maybe someone will write in, and they'll be like, no, you got it all wrong, dude. But you think it's more of a, it's, like, is there a poor story? It's just a poor spot for the fish to be, or uh, is there like a water clarity issue? Uh, seasonal clarity issue, but in the spring you'd have good, in the spring you'd have great clarity. It's just a matter of like where they're going to be concentrated and when they're going to be there and that you're, it's just like a basin. You know what I mean? It's Got like it. an open, sandy basin. And a lot of those big bays that have more sort of identifiable structure and places you'd go like, be like, this would be a great place to look for walleye. A lot of that stuff lies north of there. There Got might it. be stuff I'm not thinking of. Is it deep? South of there. You know what's funny is it's it's like, it's super predictably deep. Like if you go six miles out, it's 250 feet deep. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's so gradual yeah. the way it was carved out. Well, it might be. Yeah. And it, shallow. It, like, again, yeah. I, don't, I don't know it well In the spring? Enough. But if, if you fishing? just... It greatly behooves you to stack the deck in your favor as much as possible. Yeah. So if you're going to a spot where, yeah, there's a few fish around, um, that's going to be a tough day of spearfishing. The upside is, at least this year, when you show up down on the bottom, the last thing on his mind is going to be that you're going to shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no marine mammals. It's just like a big walleye, just nothing ever happens to him. There's no reason to run from anything. The, um, and then all of a sudden. <laughs> there's no catch true. and release with spear fishing. And I mean, my goodness, like the, the rod and reel angler, you got to accept the fact that once you let that fish go, there's a lot happening below the surface that you just have no idea about. Whereas a... Somebody with a spear. You, you kind of live it personally. Yeah. You're very familiar with the fate of that fish. Man, I don't even know. This, I wanted to talk about this one, but I don't even know. It's like, 
I can't tell. Do you want to talk about the Oregon thing? It's Saturn all get out. It's like I don't even know if it, like if it's if it fits. So a guy in Oregon, I'll read the headline. Oregon man accidentally shoots brother while fending off bear, then kills himself. Oof. So fending, fending being uh that's a verb, right? Yep. Um, no. Yeah. Is it a verb? Mm-hmm. I know, but when it's got an ing, is it still a verb? Yeah, of course it is. So it seems like I don't really know, but looking at it, it seems more like they saw a bear out in the yard on their property. One of them runs and gets the gun, and then in the loading manages to kill his brother. So I don't know like how whether they're fending off a bear or just fixing to go get a bear. Or just getting excited with a gun because there's a bear out in the yard. The tragic thing is then the guy was so distraught, shot himself. Moving on. Anything more to say there? One of those we'll never really know. Yeah. Oh. Oh, no. Cal would love to know if if ODFG, Oregon Department of Fish and Game, had been called previously regarding a property destroying or threatening bear. Questioning, like, was it a black, was it like a black bear threat? Just a weird story. I'm sure more details. Yeah, like, were they super on edge? Because it's like, oh, the the crazy marauding bear is coming back. Or, you know, it's just, there's some context there that would make this um, a little more relatable, I guess. I I mean, it's just, just sad, but... Got two, uh, we're moving into taxidermy now, John. Were you getting bored? <laughs> no, not oh, at okay. all. <laughs> I want to talk about our calendar, and you, I, you, I want to ask your opinion about our calendar, but first I want to hit you with a listener question. Okay. A listener wrote in with a pressing question. What do meat eater folks expect from their mounts when they die or pass them on? My grandfather had over 150 mounts in his basement. I always wish I could do that better. That's a small museum. It's been a nightmare for our family, he goes on to say. His basement, all of his stories, made up or not, were the highlights of holidays and the grandchildren's dreams. Now that he has passed, it seems to be a nightmare to be rid of them. In context, before he passed, he told me personally, I really enjoy looking at all these animals I've collected in my basement, but when I die, good luck. It's not my problem anymore. Does he go on to say what the problem is? Holy cow, he's got a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah. Well, the problem is that they got to get rid of this stuff because I imagine, you know, they want to sell the house or. Yeah, but how's that a nightmare? It's a gold mine. But is it though? That's the uh, question. Is it a gold mine? That's not not necessarily. Can you look? Yeah, see what they have. What are they sitting on here? There's a nice walleye mount there. You can send that to me. If <laughs> he wants what are they to get rid on? of it? John's going to give you a very accurate estimate of its value right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his stuff doesn't look all rotten and falling apart. Is that a great horned owl in that picture? Yeah, that might be part of the nightmare. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> I might have to explain that part of the problem. <laughs> You know, uh, get, go, get close to your mic there. The biggest thing I see when I look at these pictures like this, um, a lot of personal trophies, but for highly resellable, you're basically looking at something that has Boone and Crockett value. If, he, if, 
if granddad had shot, you know, five 250 inch mule deer, those would be really easy to move. Uh, just your average little stuff that just meant something to him. And it's very difficult to move. And then as they get really? older, yeah, a lot of, I, I get this a lot. People call me constantly asking, Hey, how can I get rid of this stuff? Where do I sell this stuff at? Certain things require permitting. And if the permits don't exist, you have to go back through and refile for stuff. You know, it, it can be a, a nightmare, I would imagine. Um, did you notice the uh, bobcat lounging on the TV in the uh, lower left-hand corner? No, I just got all messed up and I lost my place on it. Um, Wait, the thing like moved or what something. What happened to it? it? I don't know. Oh, what I the didn't hell? Do it. Uh, um, Corinne ruined it. I didn't do anything. I, I mean, it looks, it, it looks to me like, you know, you could just send this picture around to like every... I'll just put it back. Um, <laughs> I hit control Z and it magically reappeared. Oh, oh. <laughs> Any kitschy, you know, restaurant, bar, you know, whatever. That's always the easy place to try to unload a lot of that stuff. He's got a beaver gnawing on a stick. I want to see a. I want to see a bigger version of the axis deer where it's got. Why the, can't I get a big? The rest of the of hide over the top is the. He's like got, that thing belongs in some crappy bar in a ski town. He's got a right, Wolverine right. in front of the fireplace, it looks like. That axis deer says to me, expensive cocktails. Could find better elsewhere. <laughs> and as the looks change so much. Oh, that's a, that's a good You know, point. I mean like get stuff stuff I did when I was in high school compared to now. I mean, I couldn't give that shit away. Do you notice he has an airplane hanging from the ceiling too? <laughs> yeah, a model that. airplane that really throws the whole thing off. Unless he was a bush pilot, he's got a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. So he does have the family does have a problem. It, they'll have to uh, definitely search around and try to find places to just give a lot of that away. Really? Yeah. We got a letter from a guy one time that took his grandpa's stuff and made a pyre, p y r e, mm-hmm. and torched it Good. all. Because he's like, it just seemed like uh, I didn't. We didn't know what to do with it. It just seemed like a way to just send it along. Send it along, man. Do people yeah. come to you to try and offload old taxidermy? Yes. Yeah. yeah, and usually, unless I'm buying antlers off something, I don't. Yeah, or, or like a sheep if it's pinned and yeah. I know it's legal, something like that. I think the big question it. here is not what happens to the taxidermied items, but what happens to the taxidermist when somebody like this like this dies. That's a cash cow. <laughs> oh, right. right. Yeah, yeah, like his business is drying up now. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Right. You, about... you tell John's like, shit, I hope that's not my client. <laughs> <Or> like, <laughs> what about the rogue taxidermist who will come in and put one head on another thing yeah. and attach some oh, flamingo feathers? Oh, we're going to talk about that next. Harry Potter yeah. type. That's my Harry whole... Potter type taxidermist. That's my thing. Do you know that's a crins <laughs> into? Yes, she was explaining that to yeah, me a little like bit. Making yeah. like Harry Potter animals. <laughs> That's it's quite she's popular. She's like, hey. she's she doesn't know it. She's tiptoeing in that direction. <laughs> hey, well, it seems like John's got a a Cr- little vein of that in him too. You so. need to pay this guy a visit, Cran. You'd have endless opportunity. You could make a beaver fish. You get get your hands on a, a is it a narwhal that has the horns and yeah. make, make oh, yourself yeah. a unicorn? unicorn yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, Cran. You could go. You could go ape shit with all this stuff. Oh, yeah. You make a lion with, like, steel head for legs. I don't totally. know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's too bad. I want to see. I thought all that stuff was valuable. And, in fact, I, I'm faced with a similar situation. My, my, father, had, my father had the first uh, 
fawn, first deer he ever got, which was a whitetail fawn that looks like it was mounted 70 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he's got uh, another whitetail buck. He's got like a shoulder mount of a black bear, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like trying to figure out what I'm going to do with it. Like when uh, I, I got want it, my grandfather's like... whitetail, his best whitetail, um, I just took the antlers off and redid it. With a it's, new cape? Yep, new cape, new form, new style. Got you. You know, so just keep it in the family. Um, you know, the grandkids all know the story from yeah. their parents and the uncles that were there and stuff. So just refurbish it, you know, take it, take it back down and put a brand new look back on it. And... That is the the thing that's hard to get across on taxidermy. I've, you know, known a lot of uh, old codgers over the years and they can look at a mount and know the entire story. Mm-hmm. Like recount yep. the whole thing. The whole They're thing. Like, oh yeah, this is... This time of day, we were right here. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if they're pretty fuzzy on just about everything <laughs> else. <laughs> <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let, let's do one last, for instance. Uh, is that a sailfish? What is that thing? No. Yeah. yeah some sort of a billfish. Yeah. That billfish? That's a sailfish. No, no, no. No, it's not that's a, a marlin. marlin. It's a marlin. Guy walks into your studio. No, that, that's a bad example. Oh, no. Let's do this one. Let's check out this black bear. The one standing up. Black bear standing up. Beautiful white throat patch. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous black bear. Guy walks into Hayes Taxidermy Studio in Libby, Montana. Says, hey, uh, what's your best offer? You would literally say zero dollars. Zero. Yep. It's not my work, most importantly. And I don't sell anybody's work but my own. <laughs> yeah. Know? And especially like the bears, been working a long time. We kind of have our own look good, bad, or otherwise is uh, becoming more recognizable to my studio. And I just don't, ha- don't have anything to do with other people's stuff. Well, it's because your bears look like alive bears. <laughs> We're trying to get to that page. <laughs> yeah. Well, what yeah. if we could have, we could open up, uh, we can open ourselves up to some taxidermy donations and then we can put those in the meat eater house of oddities. Well, right? that's the thing I was going to say <laughs> next is. Especially if it's fucked up old taxidermy. Cause then we could have like. <laughs> A companion calendar that Seth yeah. curates the photos for with an actual live in the fake flesh version of, of the I'm gonna say can this we, again. Can we find out where uh let's find out where he is. Cause maybe we just have to send someone over there and fly over there, get a rental U-Haul and bring it all back. Oh hey. Or if they really want to get rid of it, package it up. But hey, I don't want Crin rooting around in there. <laughs> Cutting stuff up. I got first dibs. Gluing all that shit back together. Um, yeah, we should get it maybe. I'm telling you guys, I got a spot in Idaho that we're going to drive down to because everybody needs to see it. I'm, the whole company will get all of our messed up old taxidermy photos that we need and everybody will be, we be done with it. in absolute awe of everything else in this spot. From one location. Is it a bar? It's unreal. <laughs> it, it is unreal. We're doing, last year we did a calendar. I guess it was, last year we did a calendar for this year called Fucked Up Old Deer Stands. Yes, I saw that. Yeah. Great. Uh, all source from our community, our listeners. Um, Seth's been overwhelmed by the, by next year's calendar submissions, which is fucked up old taxidermy. <laughs> How many you got now, Seth? Uh, let me look. 2009. 2000. So it slowed down because we haven't wow. talked about it lately. Yeah. 
So now is this like novelty taxidermy or road no, taxidermy no, or just no. poorly executed traditional taxidermy? I prefer it to be. Yeah. No Harry Potter garbage mm-hmm. at all. Tough. Though in Crin's honor, on the last page of the calendar, we might have a bunch of thumbnails. Like we might have a collection of Harry Potter stuff in the back, but it's not gonna be tied <laughs> yes. to we won't be tied to a month. It's it's preferably <laughs> it's just yeah, nothing like that. What is that? I don't know. <laughs> it just says taxidermy from hell. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing like that. We're looking for grandpa's I don't the, the perfect piece of old fucked up taxidermy would be that um it's I don't know what it is. Stuff from hunters, stuff from trappers that just hasn't like aged well, might have not been done the best in the first place, mm-hmm. was once loved. Now it's neglected. <laughs> Yeah, like with the newspaper coming out of their eye and stuff like that. Like, yeah, just like great old bad taxidermy. Mm-hmm. Oh, great old bad taxidermy. So funny. But not Harry Potter stuff. <laughs> Sorry, I just... So, John, Googled. if you're thumbing through that calendar next year and you find your own stuff in there, you're going to know it's it trouble. awkward. I'll <laughs> <laughs> be like, oh, that's awkward. We're going to see some... <laughs> like, <laughs> just... Silence the conversation. Like, we'll get a cease and desist. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I really, anyone who just really is in a shitty mood right now or just is in a great mood but like wants to laugh, just Google old bad taxidermy and some real crazy shit will pop up and you will not be able to stop cracking up. No, I think it's going to be good. I think when we like really scour it, we're going to find uh, some great months. Now, fucked up old taxidermy was seasonal. So if it was wintertime, there was an old deer stand during the wintertime. If it was spring, there was a fucked up old deer stand in the spring. This is going to not be as seasonal. Maybe we can find a seasonal element. Nah. No, probably not. No. We need a good representation of different species, though. If you've learned anything after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, it's this. There's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month, when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, no way, can't be true. But there isn't a catch. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly to you. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get premium wireless service for just 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, Go to mintmobile.com slash meat eater. That's mintmobile.com slash meat eater. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash meat eater. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. Born in 2003 in Knoxville, Tennessee, Sport Dog was forged by a passionate group of hunters and dog trainers who intimately understood the challenges of the field and the special connection between hunters and their dogs. The Sport Dog promise to consumers is simple. 
gear the way you'd design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field, ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. Now, I've got two good buddies with what I would call really, really good waterfowl dogs. And here's one of those buddies, Max. Not the dog, but the buddy. I've used that sport dog collar now in multiple different states, U.S. and Canada. Different temperatures all the way to negative 20 degrees, and it just doesn't stop working. I'm a fan for life. Get 20% off your first purchase using code MEATEATER. So go to www.sportdog.com slash MEATEATER to learn more. Make life insurance part of your financial planning this year. Start shopping now with Policy Genius to find the right policy to protect your family. Getting life insurance today means you'll have peace of mind so that if something were to happen to you, your family can cover expenses while getting back on their feet. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. They work for you, not the insurance companies. That means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another so you can trust their guidance. No wonder they have thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Why'd you become a taxidermy, John? Taxidermist. My uh, family always had taxidermy growing up. and uh, Like got it done. Yep, had it done. Um, and then one day I finally was old enough to go pick up a deer head with my dad and I was about eight years old. And I went over to one of the local shops with my dad to pick it up and I was just blown away. It was just amazing. I just was absolutely enamored by the whole thing. And just the smell. Yeah, everything, you know, just like the like, like a little bit of rot, a little bit of formaldehyde. <laughs> some Bondo fumes in there. <laughs> yeah, and I'm walking out the door, I was like, I'm gonna be a taxidermist. My dad was like, Oh, cool, you know, whatever. And so on and so forth it went. And first job I got was a taxidermy in a shop and Really? Yeah. And then as soon as I got a driver's license when I was 15, I just kept pestering the guy until he finally gave me a job. What, what was the job he gave you? Shop bitch, basically sweeping yeah. the floor, cleaning the blood up. And finally I worked up to skinning and prepping hides and prepping forms and stuff. What, uh, when you were skinning, you were just skinning like cape and deer? Cape. Or he started you on the bad stuff first? We did a lot of, uh, lions back then. Like, uh, there were really avid lion hunting back up in Libby at that time. It wasn't a special drawing. So anybody that wanted to shoot one could get a tag just over the counter. So it wasn't uncommon to skin 30, 40 mountain lions in season. No kidding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so lots of lion skinning, um, lots of bears uh, for springtime up there, um, and then lots of deer. Guys would bring in the whole lion. Uh, it's, yeah, most of the time when I get a lion brought in, it is the whole lion. Wow. I'm always just hoping that they didn't ride around with it on the dog box for two days to show everybody what it was, and then it shows up and it's bloated. How do you oh, how do you oh, skin man. a lion yeah, road dirt? Mm -hmm, right. Like, oh, it's like, man. How do you skin a lion if you if you're gonna like do a full body on it? 
Uh, any, you go down the back? Any, uh, so yes, you can, uh, depending on the pose you want, but ultimately on a life-size anything, your skinning pattern's not as critical as, say, a rug. Okay. Because you're just sewing the two pieces back together. So like that symmetry you're looking for on a rug where you want to be 50-50 on your split so your legs aren't wonky and you have equal amounts of belly on each side, mm-hmm. um, that's critical for a rug. Uh, life-size mounts, if, if the artist is prefers the uh, dorsal cut, um, like if a cat was stant like that bear, you know, where the show side is the belly, mm-hmm. um, a dorsal cut's okay. Um, but I, I don't really do dorsal cuts on anything anymore. Okay. You still have to cut. Everybody, I think, at some point thinks you just make an incision down the back and then slide it on the form, but the form's completely rigid. So if it's like this, you still have to cut every leg and cut completely down the back of it and sew it all up. So I just I just prefer a belly incision. And most of the time, the pose isn't just the belly. Would you prefer, like, if you could blue sky world it, uh, would you prefer people show up with whole animals? If we're doing a life size, I don't charge any extra to skin it out at the shop. No kidding. Because it saves you a little. Mm -hmm. Uh, When when me and Clay brought you my bear, which turned out beautifully, (laughs) were you happy or not happy with our skinning job? No, that was great. That was great. You hear that? Yeah, it was just great. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you had a guy you worked for that got in a little trouble? Yeah, the first guy that I worked for. Did he get in like taxidermist type trouble? Uh, no, but yeah, before he got in taxidermist type trouble, he got into like selling fully automatic weapons to the ATF and FBI. That kind of type of trouble. That mm. kind of trouble. What yeah. would they want with those guys? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he ended up, uh, had a client of his and did a middleman make a couple thousand bucks quick and the agent showed up undercover and bought him and then off he went. Off he went. Oh. When we were kids, it was a widely held belief that any semi-automatic, including our Marlin 22 two-fed semi-autos, <laughs> that any semi-automatic was a few file strokes away from being fully, right. yeah. from being fully automatic. Yeah. <laughs> there was like some secret thing that if you just knew what needed to be filed... That was all that separated you from having a fully automatic 22 Marlin. <laughs> Tube fed. Yeah, he filed the pin on it, and like, now his is fully automatic. <laughs> it's just like, but just no one ever would show us what exactly one needed to file. Uh Do you agree that, um, I don't you know, we're not going to talk dwell too much on this, but like, in your opinion... Why do people have sort of a, uh-oh, it's a taxidermist? <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I do. Uh, even having any involvement or affiliation with other taxidermists, I'm really standoffish until I know them. Because I'm just, I'm what like, is it? I, a, lot of, a lot of people just do stupid shit. I mean, like the taking your money and not doing your work or just slapping poor work out or, you know, the, oh, I lost it. You know, I mean, it's just, I, I don't know how that m- many in our industry are like that. It's just mind boggling. I think it's, pr- it's gotta be transition. Cause I think at a time it was like so many people kind of like working out of their basement stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And now you sort of seems like, I, mean, I, I, I don't really know, but it seems now you have like big taxidermy studio. Yeah. Like, like you guys use like studio, studio. like mm-hmm. it's like a business when you go, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like a full on business with like paperwork and stuff. Right. <laughs> And I, yeah. I've heard you use the, the word artist a few times too. At mm-hmm. what point does a taxidermist become an artist? Uh, honestly, that probably is individually based, I would say. Um, yeah. Early on, I definitely wasn't an artist. I was just mechanically trying to put stuff together. Um, 
but like the more you learn, the more you learn, right? And it starts opening up like a little door of creativity where you're like, oh, maybe I'll try that this time. And so I think it's a progression. At least it was a progression for me. I mean, I know a couple guys that are just like, they were just naturals. I was not. <laughs> you weren't yet to work for it? I ground. Still grinding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I started to really appreciate John when we were talking, I can't remember how it came up. Oh, Yanni. Yanni's like, man, if I ever get a bear mounted, I'm going to get it mounted where it's not growling. Because he's like, every bear I look at, he's never growling. <laughs> right. But then every bear mount, they're growling. And so we were, I was pointing out to John, like, why are they always growling? And it's just easier to make them growling. It is. There's a lot more uh, product and materials available to make that look. And I said, can we do one where he just looks like a normal bear walking through the woods, which is his mouth is closed? Yes. <laughs> And you were saying that <laughs> Absolutely. They, when you go into your supply catalog, that's not in there. There's only uh, <laughs> just a handful of closed mouth in there. I, I would never use one for any of my work. I know that. So we just make our own. Dude, and they that, look amazing. That's how we, like when you were saying about the guy walking with the bear, that's why I wouldn't take his bear. I'm really particular on what I'm using to get that look. To, yeah. try, to try to be repeatable so it's not like a snowflake, like, oh, my bear looked great. And you're like, oh, my bear sucked. Got you know, it. Trying to keep that repeatable performance out there. <laughs> uh, you know, the thing I want to ask you too, you got into helicopter logging for a while? Yeah, well, that was kind of the path where the fork was like go to prison or go somewhere else. So I went helicopter logging when he left. So Got it. Make our fortune hooking logs. And that was up That was that was was up when that was still some some timber business happening up. You could, yeah. yeah. You're out of Libby, Montana. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, but, that's dried up, right? Oh, yeah, completely. High school mascot's still the loggers, though. It is the loggers. <laughs> loggers, loggers, so loggers. You're in like a former logging community. Yeah. Yep. Very, well, that was the whole basis of the community originally was basically logging and then a little bit of mining, but logging was the, the staple. And you guys are doing like, you got, you're doing like select cut mm-hmm. helicopter stuff. And for the helicopter, mostly we traveled. So we'd log in Washington, Oregon, oh. Idaho, California, Montana, anywhere where the train warranted using an aircraft. Uh, what was your role in that? I was a hooker. So a choker setter, a hooker. Oh, I was like, John. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't make much money. That's why I had to get back into tax. <laughs> <laughs> I knew those logging towns were rough. But. <laughs> so uh, what, what's the hooker do? Uh, you're the external load person. So when the helicopter would fly over, they'd lower a line down to you and you would select a a weight of logs, so you'd look at them and guess about how much that would weigh, and then put those together on chokers and attach it to the uh, load beam on the hook. Then the helicopter fly it off. That was uh, near our fish shack. They were doing a helicopter logging for a couple summers, mm-hmm. and I pictured it being that. I mean, these are this is like old growth cedar, mm-hmm. western red cedar, hemlock. I mean, these trees are no joke. They were probably running big aircraft up there, weren't they? They were like, yeah, huge, like twin, like mm-hmm. big twin roller things. Mm-hmm. But I thought they'd like lift the tree out, right? I couldn't believe when they'd come up out of those trees with a bundle yeah. of trees you can't put your arms around. Right. And then lay them onto a barge. When they when they picked them up, those things never touched land again, man. Yep. It was amazing. Like, lay them on a barge. The infrastructure they would build for logging like one area around your shack yeah. like roads and like not a town, but like a big ass camp for all the people to stay at. That's when they're, that's when they're doing like the logging, like where they actually do a beach landing. Yep. But the helicopter stuff is very like discreet yeah. relatively. 
But I tell you what, man, it's hard to go through the woods when they get done. Yes. It yeah, look, your it mental picture. Fun. Yeah, you looks like oh, I'll just grease through there real quick. Uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, all, all the tops and slash are all just piled everywhere. Oh yeah. God, man. Cal made that mistake one day. It's like, it's only 500 yards. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, it is. I think it's, it's twice as hard because your mental picture of like helicopter logging is they just plucked a few trees out of the ground. Clean. And it's yeah, it should like, be easier because there's fewer trees. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, what a mess. Yeah. Uh, while you were doing that, you always wanted to get back into taxidermy? Yeah. Yeah, I would still, you know, fart around a little bit on my own, um, remedial tanning projects and... What's that mean? Just like trying to do t- home tans, like tan muskrat or some, you know, beaver hide or coyote hide or something like that. And But that's not even part of taxidermy anymore, right? I, like, I, you I don't, don't do any tanning. Nope, I don't do any tanning in the house unless it's like emergent and we have to get something small tan, like a deer cape or something. Oh, so you can do it? We can do it, yeah. I just, we just don't have time anymore. Oh, so I, didn't, I didn't realize you could. Mm-hmm. So there's no, like, as a, if you have a taxidermy studio that's doing, like, a ton of business, is there a way, like, I don't want to, like, dig too deep. I don't want to, like, ask you, like, a question, like, how much land do you have and how many cattle run on it? <laughs> but um, how many things, like, like, just give sort of, like, a ballpark of how many pieces flow through your hands annually. Well, we just got a confirmation yesterday that our 109th black barrel be coming in since April of last year. Just coming back to you. Just getting brought through the studio. So yeah, we'll have 109 in, in oh. under a year's time. Just so bears. your studio will do 109 black bears. Yep. And that's just one species. Yep. And that's just bears. What percent get lost? <laughs> <laughs> or sold for profit. And yeah. Uh, that's what, <laughs> you're not selling our stuff, are you? I'm like, did, no. <laughs> did you <laughs> see- There's uh, no money in that. <laughs> you know how there was like way more hunting and fishing activity due to COVID. Did you get a lot more- did, your, uh, did you see like an uptick in business requests or anything? Or are you just like kind of set for with us, the amount? Uh, one of the big things that COVID killed for us was they shut down Spring Bear for non-residents. And we have tons of non-residents that come up there. Spring oh, Bear up hunt. in your area. Yeah, we yeah. have tons. I mean, we got guys that have been coming up from Utah. We got a, we got a large following in Utah that come up to Libby. And What's wrong with their bears? A heart special drawing versus okay. over the counter. And uh, so... One guy, they've been coming up. They missed one year since uh, Mount St. Helens erupted. They were there. <laughs> yeah, that's the only year they had missed since the year before it erupted to that 21 yeah. and uh, or 20. And so, so you saw a that was, dip there. That was a huge dip for yeah. us. Uh, Canada was closed down. So all the outfitters, well, like. Oh, uh, so you outfit. weren't getting local guys for you bringing bears they killed in Canada. We've, we've saturated the bear rug market for the local guys. You know, they only want so many of them, you know, so yep. a lot of times most of the work is from out of town. So do you, are you, do you imagine yourself now as like a bear specialist? Like what's your specialty? <sighs> I know your bears I, look outstanding. I really like doing bears. Yeah. Um, that has always been, whether it was a rug or a life size or anything in between, I always really enjoyed working on bears. Uh, but I, I enjoy doing everything. Squishy pillows. Squishy. Yeah. You do pillows? <laughs> Not bare he pillows. Pioneered, he pioneered the squishy pillow. Oh, that rug. Yeah, that's what Yanni's bringing a big bobcat. Mm-hmm. Yep. Explain that. Explain that piece. The pillow. Yeah. So that's not the right word for it, though. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's got to be a better term for it. We uh, we had a guy come in and talk Dennis and I into doing a soft mounted coyote, and we were like, no way. 
anatomically, you just, you don't have the form. You can't make everything exact. So he finally coerced Like he wanted in, the coyote sewn into a teddy bear? Like uh, just so it's pliable, soft. Head like mount. Like a full body mount, but mm-hmm. soft. Yep. Yeah. So. What? So, <laughs> so it'd be like we, a teddy bear. Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> okay. So we uh, Go on. ended up doing it for this guy and then he never showed up. And we were like, oh man. Oh, he like, never came back to get he it. Never came back to get us. That's now like he got the. You, how much did you? How much you charge him? Oh, honestly, I, would, I don't even know back then. Dennis would have been in charge. Of What's that point. industry standard for uh, deposit? Uh, well, uh, it depends. It's case to case sometimes. Uh, just like for us right now, we're usually do a third. That's because yeah, but you of got these so lessons many guys we've learned. That, that vanish on you, though. <laughs> Not so much anymore. Back in the day, we had more well, of that people issue. Van- like Americans are getting better. <laughs> <laughs> more people are committed to getting it, especially if they do put a deposit on it. That helped. <laughs> so a third, I, I want to get back to this teddy bear thing, but, 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 the, but the deposit thing, now that I know that it's such a thing, mm-hmm. that people will abandon you. Um, I guess if you said it's full price, then you might send business to competitors. Mm-hmm. A third will get them coming back. Yeah, Maybe. And then usually uh, what we started implementing is you put a third down once we receive your hide back from the tannery and we're getting ready to start your your product, then you, it's time to either pay in full or put at least another yeah. third down. I got you. Because now you're going to start putting manual mm-hmm. yeah. time into it. Yeah. Yep. That's a good system. Yeah. It helps. And then at least the guy that calls you up and he's like, hey, I really want to get that done. I want to get that done. I want. Okay, how fast can you do it? And you're like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do it right away. And he's like, I know it's Christmas time, man. I can't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just like, okay. And so now we have to make sure they're paying along the way. Yeah, I'm of, with you. Yeah. I'm with you. Okay, so back to the, the coyote teddy bear. I imagine it's so. a soft tan. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you stitch it up like a balloon. And then uh, you... Pick an orifice and shoot it full of duck feathers. <laughs> Get one of those things that blows in insulation. Exactly, that's exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> Stick it in the leg. <laughs> we never thought of that one. That might <laughs> throw one last what stitch out of the way to go. You're out the door. <laughs> so we ended up with this, and I mean, it could end up in the fucked up old taxidermy calendar, I'm sure. Ooh, send it over. I, I don't have any pictures <laughs> of it. I don't keep that shit. <laughs> no no record. You're trying it. to stay yeah. out of the calendar. I keep forgetting. He's trying to stay out of the calendar. Right, he's so trying not to get in there. We had a car show coming to Libby, and it was a Hot August Nights is what it was called. And so there were some people coming through town. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm very interested. But I'm trying to understand. How did we get from the... So this is how the pillow... Oh, the guy out. vanished. The guy vanished. Okay, but then you have the thing sitting there. So we got it sitting in the shop. Okay, and I'm now, now I'm into the car show. The car show people stopped by, and this guy's like, wow, I love that thing. And they're like, <laughs> they're like really? He's like, can I borrow it and take it down to the car show? He's like, I don't want to put it in my car. We're like, yeah, go ahead, you know, whatever. So he took it down there, and then we had about a half a dozen people come back from the car show and they're like, we want ones for our hot rods. I saw the most amazing coyote. Mm-hmm. And it was <laughs> coyote sleeping in the front seat of a 56 Chevy. You, you know, had it mounted in a way that was kind of laying down, curled up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a dog would be on a dog bed. Yep. Yeah. I found the you video. You don't have that, any pictures of this. I found so. the video that Clay Newcomb posted about it. But this this was Coyote One. This yeah. is this is Coyote One Thousand. So sud- suddenly, <laughs> you, dude, that looks big, amazing. It's amazing. Big difference. It's amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. Suddenly, you had a uh, tax during dude, the side un- hustle. This is unbelievable. <laughs> right? yeah. This is not so this, the one. 
No, God, no, no, no. That's what he's saying. That like, is he's, amazing. He's done like a thousand of them by now. But wait, let him finish the story. Hope those Ranella kids aren't listening. They're going to ruin their Christmas. <laughs> Look at this. That's unbelievable. That looks really good. And he pioneered that. So we, and I know other people do it now, um, but that was just something we came up with at the time. There might have been other people doing the same thing somewhere else, but as far as we know, we just totally made that shit up. Go to at Steven Ranella on Instagram and see what we're talking about. Okay. Hot rods. Hot rods. So we end up uh, selling about a half a dozen more of them. To hot rodders. To hot rodders for car shows. Well, one of the <laughs> one of the car show people owned a storefront from the parody shops, and they owned storefront engine most of the major airports around the country. What's that mean? Parody shops? It was just the name of a business. Okay. Like- you know, when you like their gift shops and mm-hmm. the airport, you po- probably. But the word is like many. parody, like like mocking. I think it, parodies, parodies, I think, is the name okay. of the, the chain. And uh, so they called up and asked if we'd ship one to Spokane, put it in Spokane International. So we're like, sure. So we sent one there. And then that it was sold just like instantly. So they ended up ordering a few of them. And they sent, we sent some to Texas and we sent them to New York and we sent them to Arizona. And for years, I mean, they, were, they just went like crazy. And then. Started getting a little bit of a negative feedback, like, I can't believe you guys have these animals on display in the stores and stuff. So they finally just pulled back about about eight, nine years ago. That's what I was going to guess. Mm-hmm. It'd be like that company that was making the parkas with the coyote rough on yep. it and everybody had a shit fit. Texas was the last holdout. They finally they finally were like, yeah, they're going to make us. They, the stuck, rest to, they yeah. stuck to their guns. Yeah, corporate was like, no, you guys have to pull the pin. So, but Texas loved them. That was a hot but spot. I'm surprised you <laughs> haven't picked up. Like, I'm surprised someone hasn't assumed all that, hasn't gotten back into it. Ah, uh, well, this well, podcast after, will revive that. After Clay posted that video, that was a, I think we got 2 million views on that thing on TikTok in like a week. It was. Did un- you get any more requests? Uh, we had 800 emails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. So actually, uh, I got a silver fox shipped in this week. I got two gray fox that will be leaving Monday morning from California. And I got a coyote coming in from, I think it was Ohio. So what we're, just in case you don't go, no, just go look at Instagram. But it's, uh, I mean, it looks like a damn coyote laying there. Yeah. Curled up sleeping. Super realistic. They, they didn't and it's soft originally. and pliable. I mean, I could. You could, you could rest <laughs> yeah, your head they, on it. They did not look like it originally. Can you like guys patent stuff kill. like that? I don't think so. I don't know how I would patent that. You probably could with like the materials that you use on the inside. It's more like trade secret. Like, yeah, you could right. patent yeah, right. the filler vacuum though. The uh, <laughs> an attachment. The head <laughs> have species specific <laughs> attachments. Right. <laughs> the uh, the heads for our pillows, whether we're doing the fox or the coyote or the wolf pillows, are my own sculptings. So doing that that. Nobody else has the same look on theirs. Yeah. You got trade secrets. Not, not necessarily that not ours are protected. better looking than somebody else's, but ours are our look. How, how so are those things going to hold up when your seven-year-old kid starts carrying it around like a stuffed they're, animal? They're quite durable. Yeah. Um, that's a, we get a really good tan on it. It's a garment tan. It's like a fur coat. You wouldn't want to get it wet. Um, you know, a dog would tear it to shreds right. in a matter of moments. So it's fairly fragile, but... Dude, my dog would be scared of that for five years. <laughs> Before she realized, she's like, you know what? That thing never does shit. <laughs> Ever. Oh, man, a, a beaver would be real cool. Have you done a soft little beaver? <laughs> well, there, we did a lot of different things. Now it, it's pretty much just canine family. Is it hard to do other stuff? You know, the like a beaver curled up? 
Yeah, I don't picture them curling up like that and with did, a big fuzzy I tail a, over their nose. Yeah, and I did yeah. a badger, and it looked, you know, kind of. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, oh, uh, I did a small, John just, small uh, bear. For you, for you listeners at home, John just made a, a, a uncomfortable. <laughs> Stance. I picture he like looked, a, he, looked, he looked uncomfortable. <laughs> I picture like a badger uh, in like August laying along the road that got hit. Just like a little, but, but its eyes were all open and clean. <laughs> <laughs> but it looked a lot like that. <laughs> hey, what? Uh, do you mess around with fish? I used to do fish. Now I I outsource my fish to another taxidermist that I know. Um, I feel like it's like like fish taxidermy. I, in my view has ceased to be a thing. There's not there's a lot of no, skin mounts. There's no part of the fish. If you, like, I can still get a skin mount done through my my friend Bill. Um, He still does skin mounts. You still can do it for real. Yep. Can I tell you a funny story about a buddy of mine? Mm-hmm. Buddy of mine is a taxidermist. He had a guy bring him. He's in. He's over in Miles City. I don't, he's not in the business anymore, but he was. Uh, he had a guy snag a paddlefish out on the Yellowstone. And... Wraps it in a wet sleeping bag, okay, and brings it to him. He didn't want to lose any weight, so it's wrapped in a wet sleeping bag. Brings it to him wanting to get it mounted. He takes a bunch of pictures, a bunch of measurements, and takes it down and lets it go in the river. That paddlefish swam away. (laughs) Honestly, on a fish like that, I would definitely do a reproduction too. (laughs) (laughs) Difficult to... Work on something that size and keep it stable, and yeah, yeah, yeah no, I would definitely. So I feel like that's why I say like it ceased to be a thing. Is I don't really get it. There's still uh, you catch a bass. I can see like you're commemorating it by getting a replica. But if a client called you, let's say a client called you and said, "Hey man, um, I want a ten pound largemouth." Hmm. Yeah. You just be like, okay, yep. Here yep. we've done that a lot. So it's it's it's, it's like there's no. Is there like, is what there, is yeah. what is it anymore? It is a it is basically a painting. Um, we did a scene a guy for it was out of Hamilton. He wanted to have uh, it was a brook trout, a brown trout, rainbow cutthroat, and a bull trout. No mountain whitefish. No mountain whitefish. But he wanted those trout all on uh, artificial like a bo- in the river bottom. See, I respect um, that. Is there then, a reason? Like that's different. Oh, skin, go ahead. Well, <laughs> is there like an actual reason where a skin mount would look better than one of those reproductions? No, no, no. The, the casting technology, the, all the injection molding for castings come a long way. So the sc- the scale detail and everything's just spot on. And when you're painting those things from a picture, you're like paying attention to little details. Mm-hmm. And yep. Do yeah. you paint them? I used to paint fish. Yeah. Who doesn't now? Uh, one of my co-workers, well, he's a colleague oh, of mine, Bill. He, uh, he was the guy that kind of pioneered the uh, casted head for fish. So like when they're, when they're first phasing towards more of the reproduction, the head on a lot of fish taxidermy is the, like you look at an old fish, it starts to get where the paint, you see like the bleed in the paint or the, the oils are popping, the finish is coming off. Okay, you, can't, right. you can't really clean parts of the gill plates out. Get in there, you just can't clean all the organic material out of the head. So over time, those oils can leach back through and pop the paint off. Oh, when you say clean, you don't mean dust it off. You mean no, like from the original to get it re- I, I prepared see. like for the actual yeah. tissue. Mm-hmm. Yep. I got you. And so he started doing. Uh, he'd just take your fish and cast its own head. Really? Well, he had done so many of them. He started having tons of molds. So yeah, he was he was pretty much the guy that started the whole casted head. Hmm. And that that was that was a huge step in itself. Yeah, you know. 
this see this opens up weird. Like there's nothing. I, I want to say it's not like an ethical thing. It's just like a sort of like what is the thing and what is not the thing. But talk about casting well, with that of system, casting of horns and antlers. Oh, go ahead. There's no way to prevent uh, just making up a fish. Whereas if you bring and in not a like bear, a Korean style right. fish, right? Yes, not a Korean style, not not a, not a, a <laughs> mish, which would be a moose fish combo or something like that. But um, I guess that'd be a moosh. But right, it's like I'm just providing you with the species, mm-hmm. a picture, and here are my measurements. Yep. Right. Or, or a lot of times, though, you get it like I think it was about like twelve to fifteen pounds. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone come in and introduced the idea of there being a um, I don't know, man, like a like a certification of some sort? Now that there's no part of a fish in a fish, <laughs> that there is like a yes, this fish was a thing. Like it legitimizes fishing tails, right? Well, yeah, I like, one this big. So like fish taxidermy. <laughs> I just I, like now I look at it. Like when I look at a stuffed whitetail, right? Mm-hmm. First thing in my mind is I gotta know more. <laughs> like I don't know, right? Right. So you can just go buy a big dead white, buy big whitetails mm-hmm. in, in little pastures and shoot them. You know, you see a big ass moose, you're like, that's cool, because there's only one place that came that from, came from right? which is out in the woods. <laughs> yep. You know, and when I see a fish, I'm like, I, don't, I have no idea, dude. Yeah, there's, an, it's like I said, it totally legitimizes all fishing tails. Is there a whatever thi- you want? Yeah. Is there a thing in taxidermy like making synthetic antlers like just ma- or um like maybe making a mold of a 210-inch set of mule deer antlers and yes. then making some guy be like that's the one I want. Like the same thing as a <laughs> fish, you know. Yeah. Um usually it like it only happens on, on like that, right? Yeah. Like it's some estate record or world record or just some reproduction yeah. then uh then there's well, I, for the deer tour, we only use real deer. Like that's, they're all. What's original, the deer tour? Uh, the uh, mule deer tour that travels around the country. Okay. Eastman's used to put it on a lot. Yep. That's um, all real deer. That is all real deer. And if they don't know where it came from and who harvested it, it doesn't make the tour. So they, it's like. Oh, really? Yeah. It's more of a historical, you know, taken out of old collections or people find them, you know, granddad had it thrown in the barn and they take it off and they still have a tag on it and they'll know when it was harvested, who harvested it, where it came from. And then we put brand new mounts underneath them and take them on tour around the country. Hmm. And you're involved in that. Yeah, I do all the deer for that tour. Uh, Dan Woodbridge is the owner of it. And then I'm the taxidermist that does all the mounts that travel around. You've done all the mounts? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the biggest mule do you ever mounted? Around 300. I can't even imagine, mm-hmm. man. <laughs> yeah. And at that point, everything's custom, right? Because like, there's not a lot of 300-inch mule deer walking around, so you're building your own forms and stuff. We can still get forms that are close with a minor alteration. Um, okay. the, so uh, in in reality, yeah, that, that form does not match up to what that deer was originally. Uh, but you're not going to find a cape that was of that size to worry about getting yeah. on that form anyway. So you just... Start with the absolute biggest, primest mule deer capes you can get. We get a lot of them out of Canada. And then just go from there. Hold on. What's wrong with the cape that was on it? Most of them are deteriorated. Um, oh, Or okay. they're just antlers. Like in the tour, I got mm-hmm. you. You're, re, you're recreating, not recreating. You're putting new capes on old antlers. Yep. Got you. Yep. What's the, I, don't, I was, uh, was going to ask you, what's the biggest, most common mistake people make when they're bringing stuff to the taxidermist? But just like, what are the mistakes people make when they're bringing stuff and they're like, I want to get this mounted? 
Like, uh, like to say like deer rise. Yeah. Any, whatever. I don't know. Um, that's a common one. Most people that hunt will get a deer and probably one amount of, at some point, I would say common mistakes would be dragging it, like dragging it around and wear all the hair off of one side of it. Okay. Um, cutting its throat after you shoot it and then want us to mount it. And it's hard to get it right again. It's very difficult to hide a cutthroat because you cut through all the hair. I mean, if you poked in and went under and cut out, it wouldn't be as bad, but when you just, they lay the knife across it and cut all the hair off, then you have to jump up to get past that. So it creates a pinch point. Yeah. Um, I want to, let, let me, let me, I want to dwell on that for a second. Just explain what you're talking about to people is that if you take a, like, let's say you want to cut into a deer, um, if you cut from the leather up, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. The knife passes through all the hair. Yep. Parts out of the way. But sometime take a knife and try to make an incision in a deer coming down <laughs> through it. Hair everywhere. Yeah. Little, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You cut yep. through all the hair and yep. create like shaving stubble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting to me that the, the throat cut is still around. That was like something that was uh, my very prominent in my youth. Did, yeah. Oh, it was a lot of guys were just like, they, yeah, they, you'd bleed it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Never mind that you just like put a 30 caliber bullet through its lungs. Lungs, right. <laughs> and there's like a quart of blood laying in there loose. It's just you then go bleed it too. Yeah. Well, uh, finishing it off, you know, that's another one. Bring it in, shoot it through the face after it's been to, d- to dispatch it, and then want us to mount it. And it looks like that. You know, yeah, he's referring to a bear that's <laughs> missing half of his. Can I open this up? Mm-hmm. Oh, watch all there. Sorry. Whose bear is that? It was uh, a guy that used to work for me. He uh, shot it, and I was just, I don't know, morbidly curious on what the skull looked like, so I had it cleaned. <laughs> Jeez. Interesting. That's cool, though. Mm-hmm, right? So what are we looking at? We're looking at a black bear that's missing the back of his head. A black bear skull that got shot, presumably. Yep. 338 Ultramag. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, was yeah. he trying to hit it there? Mm-hmm. That's what all was it doing? doing? Peeking up over a log. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah, that brain is splat. Yeah, he didn't go far. <laughs> short short blood trail. Yeah. Uh, what other kind of mistakes? Cutting through it, cutting, cutting through its throat. It, cutting the cape too short. Old Older style, uh, like in the, like I'm sure a lot of the ones that you guys get seen sent in for the old taxidermy, it's a neck mount. Sure. Yeah. Not a shoulder mount. And so people end up cutting it really high up on the shoulder, like no brisket left on it. And so then you just don't have enough cape to actually. So you want them to like, if they're going to cape it like way back on the yeah ribs. start start basically at the sternum and go all yeah. the way around. Is it right that it's hard to get when someone messes up the armpits? It's hard to get it back right again. If it's there, no. If they cut up and then that piece is missing, then yes. But if they just make an incorrect cut, but the hide is there, a lot of times it'll end up on the side, and then you pull it back in and sew the leg back together, and split the leg down the side. Yeah. Hey, Steve, That's you know a, what we should do? We should come up with new bandanas that show how you should properly cape skin and cape certain critters mm-hmm. if you want to take them to taxidermists. That is a good idea. Uh, a friend idea. of mine Caping who I think you put in the artist category, mm-hmm. uh, they, they do a lot of Africa stuff. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people who want like full, yeah. he's like, I spent a lot of my time reconstructing penis sheaths. Oh, yeah. It's like a Scrotums. lot of the genitals, like. Mm-hmm. On full bodies. Yeah, because folks are used to just cutting them out. Mm. So. And especially on African stuff where it's very short hair. 
I mean, it looked like Kindall. You'd be something that you would notice, you know, it'd, it'd be very <laughs> obvious. Yeah. So yeah, trying to reconstruct <laughs> all that. <laughs> You're like, some, I can't quite figure out what it is, but something's missing something's here. Something's amiss. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, why does, have you done much Africa stuff? Yeah. Why does, uh, like why do elephants and hippos always look so phony? They look like they've like epoxied. A lot of them are phony. Oh, so it's, it's like, like the whole fish problem. Fish thing, right? Really? Yeah. What do you got there? This will be, this is a supply catalog. Let me see if I can find, I want to find African in here. Yeah. It's like you'd be looking at a taxidermy collection in some big game room and you see that and you're like, yeah, it looks, looks like, like you got it from a plastic injection molding place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The rhinos, the hippos, elephants, a lot of them are. Really? They're onto the same... I know what's in here somewhere. Like a tannery, I would imagine, would have a hard time doing that, though. Like, where's your vat to treat? Oh, no, there's <laughs> a full, full elephant. body elephant. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of tanneries that'll do it. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can see full life-size reproduction elephant. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, there you are. You just buy the whole damn elephant. Mm-hmm. And then you just screw those tusks in there. and Yep, put their tusks yeah. in it. Yep. You got to have a special house for that thing. <laughs> right. Hockman doesn't say how much it costs. Oh, there it is. Have you ever done an elephant? Uh, just elephant foot footstools. Guess what you pay mm-hmm. if you want an elephant? ELP 500 slash 5. Before shipping. <laughs> <laughs> that sucker is... 10 grand. Yeah, 10, th- that was a good guess. Oh. 10542 bucks, and you too can have gotten an elephant. <laughs> And is that, what's the material for that uh, body mold? It's kind of like a fiberglass. Mm. Oh, look at this. You can just buy a whole damn elephant. Mm-hmm. A whole fake elephant is $88,000. $87,930.50. And it's just an elephant. And they don't even comp you shipping. <laughs> just an elephant. <laughs> look at that. And, it's, and then you have to put it together. <laughs> yeah. For 90000 bucks, you could have a not real elephant standing in your house. <laughs> Be a fun thing to do with the kids. Like it's like a giant Lego set. <laughs> I could gut my entire house and it still won't fit. <laughs> that's incredible. That's why they look so bad. Yeah, that, that's like crazy. so that's becoming more more normal normalized now. A lot of reproduction stuff. Is that you, because do you do you take that business? You know, I have yet to have to order one of those, um, but it it definitely could come up. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking. Fifty percent up front when it comes time to <laughs> pa- paid in full, and then yeah. we order it. Yeah. <laughs> so when you l- let's walk through a deer, some uh, deer. How, how a deer? What happens to a deer? Okay. So guy shoots deer. Um, let's say he guts it up to the sternum, drags it in his truck, brings it over, and says, "I want to get my deer a shoulder mount." Mm-hmm. Walk me through what happens. What do you do? We'll have one of the guys go out there and skin the cape off for him at that point, um, just to make sure that makes our life easier at that point. And you prefer it that way, because now you know what you're dealing with. Yes. You know, it's the cuts, usually uh, one of the other mistakes I see a lot of time, and it's it's not really that big of an issue on most deer mounts, but guys will start at the middle of the back and cut up to the base of the skull. That's what I thought you were supposed to do. And you cut from the base of the skull down. Oh, So you go with the hair so that parts out of the way, and if you're going up, sometimes it'll still catch the hair and 
cut one side off. I had no so idea. Then, so you prefer starting at the forehead and go back? Yep, start right at the base of the skull and go down to where your circumference, where you make the cut all the way around the, the body. That's good to know. And then, like, and like tubing them out. I mean, unless, unless you're, so that's a good question to ask your artist at that time, um, if they prefer a short Y incision or if they do the full dorsal cut down the back. So um, you guys really like this artist nomenclature. <laughs> well, it's it's more applicable nowadays. Yeah, no, I like it. I like what do you, it, what, what do you recommend? Oh, go sorry. ahead. What do you recommend for uh, antelope in the field? So the, their hair falls out so easy. It, it falls out really easy, and uh, they blood stain. So okay, that's one of the most common things we see with antelope is the blood staining around the face. Mm-hmm. Um, if you get your antelope and you know you're going to mount it, take some paper towels or toilet paper. Or cut a bit of your bandana up and get it plugged. Take your canteen and get the blood off as quick as you can. Oh, that's good. Because it, it goes inside the hair. When you say plugged, what do you mean? Like fill the nose up, fill the mouth out. So oh, so he's not leaching oh, no more shit. blood out into the hair. Huh. That's a good tip. Um, yeah, you can carry you, some of that quick clot stuff with you, man. You can't wash it out. Once it, if it sits there long enough, it actually draws into the hair follicle. Right. It's so like it's inside tumor. the hair yeah. showing yeah. through the hair. No okay. Yeah. So oh. there's no, no getting it out. Mm. And it'll do it like you see, like on shoulder mounts, you see the darker spots by the shoulder. That's another spot, you know, just And you can't just like peroxide it out because you mm-hmm. got so many other colors next to it, right? And it would, you'd have to fry the hair. It, it, like I said, peroxide would lighten the outside of the hair, but the blood's on the inside showing through. Because it's like that oh. tube. It's like a straw. Hollow tube. Like a hollow yeah. tube. So and this is actually, like kind of particular to, to antelope. And like sheep. Uh, dull sheep. That's a, one that we see a lot. You know, guys just don't know. They're coated they, in blood and it's too late. Yeah. Yeah, and then it has it soaks in like that quarter inch. You have that halo, and if you just part the hair back, it's beautiful white, but it's got that frosted brown on the outside. Of Is it okay just like go down to a cold ass creek and throw it in there and try to just get mm-hmm. it all out right yep. away? Yep. Yeah. And then okay. just get it hung up and get the water off of it, and get it drying back out again. But yeah. Absolutely. So if you had an antelope cape that had blood in it, you could just turn a hose on it and just. Mm-hmm. That's better than leaving it. it that's yeah. better than leaving it bloody. Yeah. You yeah. just got to make sure you get it back to dry. You know, you wouldn't want to do that and throw it in a bag because it's still going to be leaching out more blood from the tissue at that point. So you want to rinse the hair off and get it to hang into where the water runs off finally. And then plug and its nose it and mouth. Yeah. If, if you leave the skull in it. Yeah. What do you, what do you, what's a good way to plug it? With what? Paper towels, toilet okay. paper. Okay. Um, what about like Vaseline? You know, like when you have like UFC fights and then a guy gets <laughs> his, his, uh, you know, something in his face split and they pack it with some. I wouldn't Vaseline. put that on an antelope just because it would probably soak that oil up into Too, the hair yeah. also. You hmm. mentioned uh, leaving the skull, and I'm assuming you on any big game animal, if someone doesn't know what they're doing, like just leave the head, like the head unskinned. Yeah, I mean, that, ideally, yeah, um, for our benefit. But I understand, you know, when you shoot an elk four miles yeah, from the truck and you're, yep. you're going to mount it and not do a European, and you're like, should I carry the 25-pound block of skull out with me or not? So... It, it, you know, yeah. that's, that's, you're going to have to make that call yourself at some point on what you want to do. I carry a, a actual scalpel. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I used to, and now I don't walk around thinking when you had I'm going to anything, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So I had like a, a separate little kit inside my other kit for doing faces and yep. paws and stuff for bears and stuff. Yep. But, and that was, it was a good way to uh, kind of get some of your, your own alone time too, because... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> folks get real bored watching you do that. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, antelope is my number one uh, mounted animal. Mm-hmm. Like they're, it, it's a really pretty mount. They're pretty animals. Yes. They're s- small, mm-hmm. so you can fit them in a lot of different places. 
And if they fall off the wall, they're not going to kill anybody. Right. So I think if there's a lot of pros in the antelope mount. Yeah, that's why I, really that's like why I ask, because that's like the one thing that I want to get a shoulder mount of. You do? Yeah. yeah. I have like uh, probably over half a dozen floating around Missoula. Nice. <laughs> I've, I've given away over That are years. yours? Yeah. Because I was like living out of my truck, you I know. I thought meant for like, clients. No. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you, did, you keep, did you write your name on the back of them? Well, a buddy of mine just called me. He's like, hey, uh, come over and uh, do some framing for me and get these fucking antelope. <laughs> <laughs> so I might do that, McVick. <laughs> uh, donation. That should yeah. be an upcoming yeah. donation. People yeah. would... Kale's antelope. Yeah. Uh, all right, so the, the guy shows up. You have one of your folks go out, one of your artists, capes it. Mm-hmm. Then there you are. You got a caped out deer. Yep, and bring it back in the shop, and then we'll actually take the skull out of it at that point and turn the ears inside out, turn your lips, your nostrils, your eyelids, remove all the excess flesh from it, fat, and then bury it in salt. And you're doing that over a flesh and bean? Um, on a deer, a lot of times, yeah, but if I skin it myself, a lot of times there's really not much to... You clean skin it. Yeah, which if if you get enough practice at it, it's it's very legit, very viable way to do it. But you, and when you're first starting, that's a pretty high risk way of cutting a lot of holes in your deer. Yeah. It's, you're, it's okay to leave a little fat and meat on there. If you're starting to like, eh, I'm getting kind of close to cutting, just leave it on there. It's not a big deal. Someone will get it off later. Yeah. But you yeah. prefer to do them clean. Mm-hmm. Salting's a weird deal. Um, oh, there, there's a lot of misconceptions. Yeah. I remember. When do I salt it? <laughs> well, here's the thing I don't get is, um, uh, I used to sell fur. Like no fur, fur bear fur mm-hmm. at the, um, this thing called Ravana fur auction. And there every lot gets bid on, right? Mm-hmm. But deer, when you brought deer, you could also sell deer at the Ravana fur auction. And the first deer that came up, they bid on it. And that was the price for every deer that came through the door. And these are just deer hides that people pulled off. And I mean, the bulk of them, people open it up and dump a, Thing of Morton table, yeah. Morton table salt on it, yeah. but then I just thought it was like normal practice. But I later learned that that doesn't do anybody any good. No, no, yeah. like it's got to be clean. It's got to be clean. Uh, like you could have a quarter inch piece of meat on a deer hide, and salt will work right through it. But an eighth of an inch of fat, and it creates that oil barrier, and it never gets to this the actual epidermal layer to pull that moisture out and set the hair. And the hair will slip anyway. Yep. Got you. So do you get a lot of stuff, like some guy skins a bear, it's got fat and meat all over it, and then he poured salt all over got it? Got the head in it, the feet in it still. They pour a bag of rock salt on it, roll it up, and send it. Yeah. yeah. Does it make your job harder? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. You really don't want people salt and stuff. You can try to keep an edge on a knife fleshing through salt, you know, you're like, <laughs> you know, that was that. <laughs> stroke it back up, make a couple cuts, stroke it back up. What do you use for a knife? A lot of times when we're flesh and bears, I use a, uh, a shaving wheel, um, actual bench mounted shaving wheel. Um, I can't picture what you're talking about. Is that a, is that a skinning tool or a, like mm-hmm. a work tool? It's actually just for f- removing flesh and shaving, oh. like uh, shaving a tanned hide down. Is it on an thickness. angle grinder? No, it's, it's a different beast. You know what he's talking about, Seth? That's yeah, it's like one of those, that. you know, it's like, I'm, I'm picturing like a, oh, like a big ass meat slicer wheel. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, no, that's not what I was picturing. I was picturing like a, a like a wheel, like one of those things you like a grinder you mount on your on your workbench that has mm-hmm. like the grinding wheels on Look it. Look at that but shit, man! It's like a spinning wheel, a right? flushing table. 
Probably got to figure out how to use that thing before you get started. Oh, yeah. That, there's, there's a curve on that one. <laughs> I can't really picture it. I always, the new guys, they, uh, like if they shoot their own deer, you know, I'm like, you practice on that because you, huh. you'll make a hole like that big. Just yeah, whoa, people can picture whoa. like a deli, like a deli slicer. It's a, the blade of a deli slicer mounted on top of a workbench. Yeah. And, the, so, and you walk up that some bitch and try to cut your hand off and like keep the blade between the. Yeah. You got Yeah. Because there's, there's a guard on it, but. It's still exposed, so you just the only real guard is you just and you're just don't running it, it down there and like guiding it through the. Mm-hmm. Wow, have you ever done a beaver hide with one of those or something? Oh yeah, is it slick? I, oh, for me it is. A couple of my guys like it. A couple of them don't. Um, How fast could you do a beaver with that thing? Like a fresh, where it's still kind of fatty. Yeah, in a couple minutes. I think we need. Most, a, yeah. I think we need a beaver pillow. We know. Oh. Well, you know, Sandy doesn't like pillows. It's not beaver. Oh, a curled up beaver? It'd just be like a beaver looking like he got hit by a truck. Maybe it's not curled up. Maybe it's like, I don't know. See this this bird flesher? That's what I was Mm. picturing. Yep. It was like the wire, the wire wheel. The wire wheel. I think we're doing a, I think we're doing a live show coming up in Billings. Mm -hmm. This It'll be special for Cal. It'll be like a homecoming for old Cal. (laughs) We're going to do a live show coming up for Billings, what my vision of it is. need a lot of comp tickets over there. (laughs) (laughs) Cal's like, I need 80 tickets. (laughs) It's a whole thing. Don't ask. (laughs) Uh, When the curtain opens, I want the curtain open to be like a play, and there's going to be Seth at his flesh and beam. (laughs) <laughs> and there's going to be like our normal scene and then off in the corner is one of those theater spotlights Yeah. <laughs> and the whole time Seth's going to be flashing on a flesh and beam yeah. <laughs> with a spotlight on him it's going to be so beautiful it's going to be great <laughs> yeah. God, what about and the flesh all mini flesher <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's basically a die grinder yeah. And it's got that little blade on there. This is a hell of a catalog. I, I got to play with one of them once. Yeah, it was terrifying. The flesh all really. mini flesher? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, I'll take that one. I could ruin so much shit with that so fast. It was, yeah. yeah. You need was... one for your garage, Steve. <laughs> they got a blaster and master blaster dryers. Master blaster. Yep. It reminds, oh, this reminds me like, very much of like when you're like, uh, why, why would I ever pay somebody to mount the bindings <laughs> to my skis? <laughs> And then the first thing you do is you drill through the ski, and you're like, uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It'll be fine. So, what knives do you use skinning? Um, like, do you use replaceable razors, or are you sitting there with a strap like in the old days? I, I pretty much just sit with a strap like the old days. Keep a steel right next to me. Um, the Victorinox. So, you like those commercial? Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. They're inexpensive, and uh, you're sharpening constantly. Like on a, in a spring bear, I mean, you'll use pretty much one knife from brand new to garbage in a week. Just mm. sharpening, sharpening, sharpening. And you can put a hell of an edge on those things, but it just doesn't mm-hmm. stay for long. Doesn't but if stay you're doing long. a strop anyways, you know mm-hmm. what you're doing. Yeah. And you, you can get, I can, I can skin out a whole bear with one without having to go actually back to a stone on it. Hmm. If you just keep working it on a, mm-hmm. on yeah, a steel or a strop yeah, or whatever. Stay away from, you know, scraping it on the bones and stuff like that. Yeah. You just stay to the flesh. Yeah. It's pretty doable uh i want to get back to our following our theoretical deer through the process but i want to ask you a bear question Mm -hmm. when a guy brings you a whole bear um what like you get the hide but then he's got to come right back over and bring his meat down and process it or pick it up or whatever right yes or does he does he you just have him stand there while you do it a lot of times yeah i'll just have him wait if they're gonna take because you want you don't want that thing laying around guts in it and everything we have a, a list of people that they'll contact us from around the Libby area that want bear meat. Oh, really? Like if you have anybody that doesn't want their bear meat, give us a call. So then if I no know kidding. somebody, yeah. Well, that's interesting. I, I bet I donated 
probably at least 25 to 30 of them last spring. That's awesome. Yeah. How yeah. they come, they just come get the whole thing on the carcass. Yep. No, and if they're going to come, you know, it, it is very nice for them to provide that service for us to actually show up when they say they're going to show up. So if I get somebody that I know is going to actually do what they said they're going to, I'll just quarter it out, pull the back straps out of it and stuff, get it all bagged up. So, and then I'll just Oh, that's nice, of. man. Wow. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, all right, so our deer, you said throw it in a bucket of salt. Not sprinkle a jar of Morton's table salt on there. No, I, uh, I use a, a fairly coarse ground salt. It's not rock salt, but it's a mix, mixing salt for hay. Um, hmm. Yeah, so we just lay it out on the Cal floor. Knows what you're talking about. I have no rub. idea what you're talking about. Mixing salt for hay. Mm-hmm. For livestock. It's just a coarse uh, kiln salt. Oh, like a supplement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see. And... Uh, you just get it laid out on the floor flat, make sure there's no folds in it. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's amazing how many guys when you're first teaching them to salt that actually make a mistake. It's like, you just have to get salt on all of it. That's it. There's like no technique, just salt <laughs> on all of it. And they'll be like, they'll forget to fold the face back. And so the face will be stuck yeah. down. So like my kid's arguing about what a clean plate looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 you'll know you're done because there'll be nothing, nothing on left. your plate. <laughs> <Yeah>, right. <laughs> It'll yep. be very obvious. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite of the way it is now. <laughs> yeah. You're getting closer, I see. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. Born in 2003 in Knoxville, Tennessee, Sport Dog was forged by a passionate group of hunters and dog trainers who intimately understood the challenges of the field and the special connection between hunters and their dogs. The Sport Dog promise to consumers is simple. Gear the way you'd design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. Now, I've got two good buddies with what I would call really, really good waterfowl dogs. And here's one of those buddies, Max. Not the dog, but the buddy. I've used that sport dog collar now in multiple different states, U.S. and Canada, different temperatures all the way to negative 20 degrees, and it just doesn't stop working. I'm a fan for life. Get 20% off your first purchase using code MEATEATER. So go to www.sportdog.com slash MEATEATER to learn more. Hey, I'm kind of an afternoon hydrator. Like, you know, I wake up in the morning and drink a bunch of coffee. Then later in the day, I'm like, man, I got to hydrate. And then uh, I'll see some liquid IV and then I'll drink a whole bunch because I like it a lot. It helps me stay hydrated because it motivates me to do it. Now, it doesn't matter if you like hydrate to live or live to hydrate. Liquid IV quenches your thirst faster than water alone. It's got three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drinks. And no artificial sweeteners, plus zero sugar in the sugar-free version. However you hydrate, grab your Liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco. Or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use our code MEATEATER at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Superior Hydration today using promo code MEATEATER at liquidiv.com. I spend a lot of time outside and I spend a lot of time hydrating with Liquid IV because like I said, I love it and it makes me drink like I know I should. It makes me feel great. Check it out, liquidiv.com. 
Meal prepping and thinking about what's for dinner all the time can be a real stressor. Well, using ButcherBox helps relieve that stress. With ButcherBox, you're always prepared with good quality meat in the freezer. It's the ultimate convenience with custom curated boxes shipped right to your door with free shipping, which means fewer trips to the grocery store. It's hard to find the same value at the store because what store can you go to where you're going to get free protein for a whole year alongside your order? Plus, they have a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing value with exclusive member deals, and they make it even easier on you with recipe inspiration, guides, tips, and hacks. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. ButcherBox is offering our listeners their choice of weeknight meal essentials. Three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a whole year. Plus, you get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash meat eater and use code meat eater to choose your free offer and get $20 off. So salt on everything. On everything. You can't overdo it. Nope. You can't overdo it. So I need to leave, I usually leave it in the salt 24 hours. Then I'll take it out. If we're, if we're using a salting table, it'll drain instead of inc- incline. So oh, that's the, interesting. It'll run if, we're, if we don't have like big items we're doing on the floor. Because there's a lot of goo coming off there. A lot of moisture, yeah. You'll, you'll see it like when we're doing the bears and you get like four or five, six bears stacked up in salt, you'll see the trail of water running off the pile yeah. towards the floor drains. I got to interrupt you for a minute. Mm-hmm. This conversation just reminded me of something. <laughs> <laughs> the, a time, very time-sensitive issue. Did you apply for the Idaho Spring Breyer special, special Draw? No. Ooh, that's a good one. Jimmy's giant trout is in the smoker. No. Oh. <laughs> 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 hey, can you run out and, and uh, grab that those fish flays out of that smoker real quick? I left them in there, and it's been probably too long. Grab a hot, grab a hot pad, and just open that cabinet. It looks like a cabinet. It's next to the grill. Just open the door, and there's, it's all on one wire rack. So you just pull the wire rack out, and then just set it on top of the grill or something, because it'll be it'll be it'll be uh, smell like smoked fish for a few minutes. But just lay it outside to cool. Sorry about that. Oh no. Yeah, the salting table yeah. somehow made me think of those smoked fish. <laughs> <laughs> That's <was> good. <laughs> uh, where were we? Salt on the table. Oh, so when it's done salting, um, it's wet. Yes, soaking wet. So when we take it and we have racks that we assemble and disassemble throughout the seasons. And you just put a new rung on the rack and then you drape them over the rack and then let them start drying out. Like at night, we'll turn the heat up and put fans out. And the next morning, you should be able to fold it. And then eventually you'll have it folded up into a nice little package. Oh, dry, is that right? Like rock hard dry. Oh, because you know, it, it, at that point, is it like pretty much archival? Mm-hmm. Yep. I remember guys showing me, a, a taxidermist I used to know had a zebra that he had killed. Mm-hmm. I feel like he told me that he had killed it seven years earlier. But I mean, this thing was like... Rock hard. Yeah. yeah. Just salt mm-hmm. crusted and rock hard. Yep. And he was not worried about it. Mm-mm. He's like, nope. you got to soak the piss out of that thing to get it back to life. And it, as long as it's in a spot where nothing like mice, insects don't get to it, um, it, it lasts indefinitely, really. Keep it dry. And don't let anything eat it. It lasts indefinitely. So if deer season's running hot and heavy, mm-hmm. that's what you guys are doing. Oh, yeah. You're skinning, Stacks. fleshing, <laughs> salting, drying. Yep. And this spring, bear season 
is historically the busiest season for my studio. Because um, you guys are in like Bear Central. Yeah. You know. So you guys get more bears than deer? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Huh. Um, this year we were, after everything started taking back off, we were really short-handed. Um, had one guy had family stuff come up, so he was gone. And then we got outfitter where like one day I got 13 bears in. And there's nobody there besides myself. Oh. Like I did, I did 51 days straight. How old are your kids? Um, I just have one daughter and she's, uh, she'll be 16 on July 4th. Get her a skinny knife for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> she's thinking more like law school. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably kids these days, man. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like, this, this, yeah. this, this is the family business here. <laughs> she's like, oh, there's uh, bears of skin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can be have be the only lawyer with the Popeye forearms of somebody who skins for a living. Yeah, tell her like if as long as we uh, stay honest and get the hides back, we don't need law protection, right? <laughs> you just need to learn how to skin. <laughs> just need to skin. It's a lot easier just to stay clear of the law. Hey John, what about a? I'm still dreaming about these squishy pillows. What about a black bear pillow? Mm. That would be kind of like you could. It would be like in someone's living room. You could just lean against it. Looked it looked like Corinne's dog couch. sleeping. Yes, so exactly. We, we did do a small black bear. Uh, um, and the way we did it, it wasn't. Oh, well, it didn't I, work. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was a success. Okay. Um, for certain things, if you still want to do the soft mount, I would do like a annealed wire frame inside of it. Like when squirrel mounts, when you'd make the, you know, wood wool and you'd put your wires through there, then you can bend his legs and get him in position. A what mount? Like old old squirrel taxidermy, oh, okay. yep. like original stuffing when you were actually stuffing it. With Back when you said, like, I want to get the deer stuffed. Mm-hmm. People would still say that when I was a kid. You mm-hmm. can get it stuffed? Stuffed? <laughs> <you're> like, <laughs> with a piece of foam. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but uh, then you could still do the soft mount and it'd still be supple, but you would be able to pose it. because oh, So yeah. it's not just like slumped over yeah, on the floor. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So you got all these little dried out packets mm-hmm. that are deer hides. At some point, you have... Pack them in a truck or crates and trucks, and they pick, go to the tannery. Yep, start shipping them like this, just distributing them around so that we could actually get them back. When when I talked to my one tannery this spring, he's I was like, "Hey, you ready for a load?" He's like, "Well, how many are we talking?" I think I had a sixty-eight or sixty-nine of them put up at that time, and he's like, "Oh God, no! Don't don't do that to me." Oh he, really? Yeah. He's like, I, I, he's he's like, I'm still getting your stuff from last year. He's like, don't, he's like, if you want it back, he's like, you can't send me that much at one time. So I was like, all right. So he started ship. Finding other places. Mm -hmm. Someone told me once that every mountain, he might've been exaggerating slightly, but the gist was like every mountain goat in the country comes from the same tannery. Mm -mm. You don't buy that? No, absolutely not. That they're like mountain goat specialists. No, there's uh, mountain goats. The two ways that are most commonly done is you're just like a traditional tan, whether it's wet or dry or bleached. And there's only, there's only one place I know that does like a real, real bleaching on them. Um, and I don't, we don't do bleaching. So. You don't like them bleached? No. You want it to have its natural color variations? Mm-hmm. Yep. And bleaching is really hard on them. I Man, mean, like my it one. It is fried almost. It's like on the ragged edge of destruction by the time you get done with it. It's just cooked. That peroxide just, it cooks the leather. Oh, that's too bad, man. Like the... All the pigment color, like the black around the eyes and the nose and stuff, that's all gone when it comes back. The leather is just white. See, I feel like the white. one I have Ugh. getting done right now is getting bleached. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. But it was crazy because he had a lot of uh, coloration, man. He had a lot of gray. Mm-hmm. Like, he had a lot of gray hairs blended into him. Was he uh, near a burn at all? Yeah, in a burn. Probably from the, the burnt wood. 
Look at this guy. Look at his head on this guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got a couple from the he Bob Marshall that uh, had gray. I was like, well, it's got gray hair in it, but it washed out. No shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yours no. looked like it was like it was the color of the the hair. Yeah, no, for sure. It looked like it had just the, like gray charcoal hairs. The black scat in Alaska. We do, we get a, we do a lot of work for uh, guys in Alaska. A lot of guys stationed in the Coast Guard know us, so they ship us goats and grizzly bears and tall uh-huh. sheep and uh, all over all, all the time. And uh, the goats up there, they have a lot of. Uh, when I first started seeing them, they're like they have black, and it's always that black sand from up there. But it all washes out. You, You're like kidding on, me. Like on a goat, anything with fur. Um, like shoulder mount wise, all the goats always get it you know, sh- full shampoo and condition. And that master blaster, that's just a huge commercial blow dryer. It's actually for uh, doing like car shows or bike shows. So you can blow dry your car and not leave, you know, marks on it from toweling it. Mm-hmm. And so between the shampoo and conditioning and then the blast, you can get all the organic materials that you don't want in there out. Yep. Uh, you know, we recently had on, uh, we're going to keep, just so you know, we're going to keep following this deer project. <laughs> we'll speed it up in a minute, but <laughs> we recently had a, a fur handler on, like a trapper fur mm-hmm. handler on the show. And I realized now what we didn't talk to him about, which I know that he does, is he has a washing machine in his fur shed mm-hmm. that's just dedicated to that and everything he skins. Skins a raccoon, washes before it. he flashes it, it goes into that washing machine. Mm-hmm. No soap. Yep, just agitated. Yeah. Yep. And I was talking to a bobcat trapper the other day that does all of his with brightening shampoo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, like, Shampoos them the just, for pre- just for presentation. Get the white bellies whiter. Yeah. yeah. Like the goats, we use a brightening shampoo. You do, mm-hmm. but not dyeing it. Nope. Okay. No, no like actual peroxide whitening. It's just uh, like, you know... Guys with gray hair, you can use it too. If you got that yellow gray hair, it helps brighten it up. Got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you eventually get all these. You eventually get these. Um, Cal's taking notes. Yeah, yeah <laughs> brighten up the mustache. Cal's like, I'm gonna grow my hair. Like, I'm gonna grow my hair back and brighten it. Uh, you get them all back. They're tanned, mm-hmm. and then it just looks like you got a tanned fur, right? I mean, yep. Yeah, most of our uh, deer capes and stuff come back just dry tanned. And meanwhile, all those antlers are where hanging on a hook. Yeah, we have a series of racks upstairs so we can keep like, you know, whitetails and mule deer and then keep the elk and the moose separate or got caribou. Then we have spots for like when the African safaris show up, we can keep all the African safaris separate. Mm. Why are you worried about keeping it separate? You're not going to like Easier to find. It. Oh, I see. If you when keep you it, if we, it, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Just to try to keep it species specific. And then so we'll like a guy comes in, he's like, your name on That's a, a deer, but I turned into Oryx. <laughs> <laughs> My kind of Just trying to, trying to. Be able to find stuff easy. Yeah. Was, you know. I imagine and your clientele likes that. In right? Because it's like, well, I'm going to swing in and show off my rack. Yeah. And you're like, and you're uh, like oh, I don't know where it's at. You know, so yeah, it's a lot nicer <laughs> when you're like, you just go upstairs and you go backwards there. And it's in the whitetail section. Yeah, whitetail section, your tag's on it, your name's on it, your invoice number's on it. And then uh, you guys got to soak them, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So usually what I do is I'll, if we're going to do like a dozen deer heads, I'll soak up those 12 capes contact everybody, find out what pose they want. If they want like looking left or right or semi sneaks or full sneaks or what, what they want. And that, that might depend on where they want to put it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then they always, when they ask you, it's if you were the deer on the wall, which way would you turn your head? Not my left. Cause I'm like, well, I don't know. Le- your left, his left, who's left. So yeah, yeah. it's always. What's a full sneak? Uh, where the head is below the back. Like when you see a oh, buck trail yeah. in the doe. Mm-hmm. I like that one. I always did the semi sneak. <laughs> 
looking left or right, you know. Like, uh, Brody just sent us a one that was like a it was a goofy little not goofy but that's not the right word for it. Beautifully done, but like a, a weird call, odd, odd, uh, odd placement. Yeah, it was a deer jumping a fence, mm-hmm. but it was basically like the deer committing suicide off the guy's <laughs> off a bridge balcony, off like. the balcony railing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, but unbelievably oh, well, well like done. unbelievably well executed. Like when the, a whitetail in the middle of one of those giant bounds that they do. But he was going to land down in the living room. We're actually <laughs> when I when I get back next week, we're ordering a jumping whitetail for a 180 class whitetail, and then there'll be a, about a hundred. It was about a 170 pound mountain lion jumping through the air to catch the uh, whitetail. Really? That's mm. a diorama. Yeah. How, how does that uh, work? Like when when, cool when someone's gonna do like a like a custom kind of thing like that, and like it's kind of based on the architecture of their house, mm-hmm. like yep. Needs to be in a certain position in a certain place. Like, do they got to do all the measuring or like, how does that? Well, this particular one there in Texas and, uh, they got, they found, found out about us, got a hold of me. And then they've had a architect and a co- contractor at their place for like three or four years, they said, working on it constantly. And so he went up and gave me photographs of the stud layout in the wall. It was like, I was like, wow, that's nice. <laughs> we can pretty much do anything we want. You can get input blocking in. So. What? Yeah. And they, Built he, into the house. Yep. And he gave me the, all the dimensions for the, it's a, like a triangle shaped piece in between two rooms. And so then we have like yeah. 20 feet to lay that thing out with all the habitat and junipers. and Yeah. Cause mm, you'll see green. like mountain lions curled up in a corner. I and, do like that, know. man. I do like that. Yeah. I'd like to do that someday. If I had a high spot, or like, like a mountain this, lion laying up there. there you guys know what down. that, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like perched up on a log mm-hmm. or something. Looking. Man. You guys know what the balcony rail represents on that whitetail, right? What's that? jumping? A fence. The neighbor's fence. The neighbor's fence. fence. <laughs> <laughs> That's an important jump right there. There he goes. Had he made that one. Yeah, he'd be like, you'll notice that he's hitting the back end. <laughs> uh, Almost got out of the neighbor's place. <laughs> Here's a, a question that we used to get all the time was um, velvet. Velvet mm-hmm. bucks. Like oh. What's your recommendation there? It, it like uh, how it's going to turn out really is affected by what phase the velvet growth is in. Mm-hmm. If it's super early, where the horns like you know you can shake them and the horns are still rubbery, that's a really difficult one to stabilize. In the middle, where it's still alive but you're getting good setup, that's one of your prime ones to be able to like embalm the actual velvet. Um, and then at a certain point, it's just falling off. You know. Now, when it gets where end. you can just grab it and your hand's bloody, that's late. That's or is that not that's late? Early when oh, it's that's still early. Like, I'm thinking about caribou. Like you grab and your hand just is like soaked with blood. That's an early stage. And where the antler is still soft. Well, I guess it makes sense because it's still full of blood because mm-hmm. it's growing. Yeah, um, that's a dumb question. Forgive a, me. A lot, a lot of no, <laughs> a lot of times though, uh, you can just have it stripped and artificial put back on. Right, and and that was always the question is like. Should we scrape all this off? Like in the field, scrape no. it off, right? Yeah, don't, yeah. If you're going to re-velvet it, just leave it as is. And then when it gets in, they'll either just power wash it off or peel it and then take it in and just have it actually re-velveted. And can you, can you preserve the actual velvet when it's in that in the right state stage? of decay? 
though? You know, like oh, where we're starting, starting to, to come off. off. Yeah. <sighs> kind of, but you always run the risk of like, you know, not quite getting it. And yeah. then, so the, it still has proteins left in it, mm-hmm. which would promote bug life. I wanted to make my wife bra lined with that antler belt <laughs> off, off a caribou. My wife's like, you don't know the first thing about what people want in a bra. Because <laughs> I'm always like, how about a muskrat line bra? She's like, no, no, you don't want a muskrat line bra. <laughs> it's, not, it's not what's going on there when you wear a bra. <laughs> what about a, uh, like a cactus buck that you kill in October, November? That's still full velvet. If it was, How are you guys doing those? Like if it's something really unique, like a cactus buck, send it in and have it freeze dried. Just okay. the whole thing. My fiance shot one oh. a couple, couple hmm. years ago and got it done. I didn't know how they did it, but it's, yeah, it's still, they, I don't think they stripped it or anything. Yeah. If, if you, you can have them freeze dried and they'll be perfectly stable. Now gotcha. Seth, how the hell do you have a spear of sturgeon spear and hoodie? This, someone sent these into Hayden and Hayden gave me this one. <laughs> oh, I thought it said. Well, Everybody that comes in the door has got a spearfishing hoodie. <laughs> Talk to Hayden about it. Sturgeon spearing hoodie. Yeah, Hayden's never held a spear in his life. <laughs> I never. For those well, listening, I've, I've never. Stephen <laughs> Ranella never gets yeah. a complimentary T-shirt <laughs> featuring sturgeon fishing. Steve doesn't like when you have cool shit that he doesn't have. Well, especially when I never even saw it. Like, I checked the free table. <laughs> this didn't go on the free table. No, it must have went direct. It did. D to C. Listen, I, I've never speared, speared a sturgeon or have gone sturgeon spearing, so I'm a bit of a poser, but I just like the sweatshirt. That's a nice I hadn't sweatshirt. thought about the poser wow. angle. I just like because it's got chainsaw and everything on it. Yeah. yeah. A little shanty. Yeah, it's cool. Um... Okay, back to our hypothetical deer. <laughs> you soak it in what water? Yep, I just do room temperature water. And then you go on into your handy dandy catalog there. So you would, uh, you've already established what pose they want. And then you just soak it up and then you stretch it. And part part of the learning curve when you stretch first, it over the form. Oh. No, you stretch it on the bench and then you order the form that fits those measurements. So this is, this is a form that I use. Very frequently. So by measurements are like, how are Nose you? Nose to eye. Okay. And then you have three points on the neck. Like a circumference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yep. order 69-7221L. That's not like secret sauce, is Man, it? Man, that's not like that mm-hmm. expensive. No. Okay. Those are quite reasonable mm-hmm. compared to buying an elephant. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> how much is it? 80, 90 bucks. Oh. Mm-hmm. But I, I imagine like if you could lay out the... The conversation you would like to have with everybody who walks in the door, right? Because I imagine there's a lot of like, hey, I want this mounted. And you're like, well, you're in the right spot, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, try to talk them off the ledge sometimes where you're like, okay, so this is what we can do. This is the way we need to go about doing it like that, you mean? Yeah, and be like, and and these are like the price ranges that you're going to come into. If you just want something that that is your deer looking back to you, Mm -hmm. but you're not. You're not going for the jumping whitetail with the mount line. Yeah. Yeah. That price range. Yeah. Uh, we're, there's not a lot of like sliding scale on anything we do. It's pretty, pretty set. Okay. Um, the only time there's any like additional charges, like you have a traditional shoulder mount, but if they want habitat on it, then you have to pay for the habitat to go with it. But you're still basically just, bu- you're buying accessories at that point. You ba- still have a base price of what your deer head costs. Ballpark me a like, 
a nice job on a standard white tail shoulder mount. 900. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So you don't, you don't do a lot of haggling, I gather. No. <laughs> Not anymore, huh? Okay, how do you handle this? Mm-hmm. Every single taxidermy studio. Any, anytime you go in there, there's somebody bullshitting with somebody oh. who obviously needs oh, to be yeah. doing work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you handle the bullshit? When they the want to drop it off. Yeah, it's, it's very difficult to, to handle that because you can't be like, you know, dude, it's time for you to go because you know they're... More than likely a client. You could tell them, yeah. all right, uh, your thing's going to rot. Start, uh, you know, just, the secret is just to keep working. Yeah. And eventually a lot of times they're yeah. like, well, you know, I probably, probably should let you go. Um, that, that's yeah. the approach you take. Lot, yeah. Do you not, get people don't trying, break stride. <laughs> yeah, oh, just keep, so keep going. Do you get yeah. people trying to work you? Like if they bring in, you know, a little dinker buck that their kid shot and they're like, well, it's smaller, you know, can you Oh yeah. It? Yeah. <laughs> Like, like no. the antlers are smaller, so I yeah, should get a better deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, yeah. Like, no, it's you don't need price. to be working around them big old antlers. Because you got the standard <laughs> yeah. 900, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And this is only half the buck yeah. that that one was. <laughs> yeah, no, there's... It seems like there's a, drop, nope. a job opportunity for, like, the old retired fish cop or somebody who just wants to have those conversations all day. Put them up in front. Right. right, and you'd put them up in front. Just, oh, like a Walmart greeter. Exactly. Yep. They're like, Coffee oh, pot. look at that buck. Where'd you get that? That'd be a good idea. You could like hire a, a guy to bullshit up front. Like a caged off area. They could look at us, but they couldn't actually get to us. Yeah, exactly. plexiglass window. And then you hire an old fella to sit out there and be like, you like to talk to everybody you run into. But they can knock out the paperwork, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. Right? You know, how, yeah, you know how you talk to everybody at the grocery store? Just come down and do it at my studio. Speaking, <laughs> of, speaking of fish and game cops, how often are they popping in and out of your place? Oh, huh. man. I, had well, a, like, I was going to uh, go down that same path. Huh. Go, go ahead. Like, uh, Sorry. No, right, no, no. Right it's good. now, it's with good. Uh, when COVID happened, trying to get all the bears tagged and then like wolves tagged, you know, any of the fur bears where you actually have to have that seal put in there, they had closed down like the public coming in to like normal tagging yeah, areas because yeah. there was so. They, there was no they, in-person inspection. Yep, they so waived yeah. it the first year. And then last year they did it where we did a transfer possession form. So like you would shoot a bear and br- bring it to my shop, and then we would fill out the paperwork, like where you harvested it, when you harvested it, and your coordinates, you know, lat long. Um, and we'd sign a couple pieces of paper, and then you'd leave. And I would have present that, and that was my possession. So then fishing game, they were coming every two to three days to my shop. Oh, so you could call them and be like, yeah, I got a whole bulk, I got a bulk deal for you. Yeah, so I, I'd try to accumulate a stack of them because yep. it took a while, you know, because then they have to go through all my paperwork and then register the state seal to it. Yeah, and then yeah. I have to register that into my paperwork. And they're pulling the tooth at your place. I ended up, we, uh, they finally gave us the tooth puller, the, the elevator tool. Yep. Because you can't pull a tooth when it's frozen. And I can't so have yank your own teeth. stacks of rotting heads laying around. So we just would pull the tooth and put it in the envelope and write their ALS number and the sex of it, then put it in their paperwork and then they'd come and just grab everything and go. Have you had, have you had situations where something didn't smell right? Oh, and that's, see, that's the question I was dying. Oh, like somebody, Let me ask. somebody trying to bring right, something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some guy, oh, I forgot guy my walks, tag, right? Yeah. A guy walks oh. in and he's like, Hey, I want to get this Eagle mounted. Oh yeah. No, oh, I'm oh. not talking. I was, <laughs> I was going more like some big buck and you're like, man, something just doesn't. Oh, okay. Right. Oh, I've turned, it's... I've turned people in yeah. that I know. Oh, oh ab- absolutely. Well, I mean, it, it's, if, if I was in cahoots at all, the state is who provides my business license and that's gone. So you can't, you just can't like, be like, buddy, you better just go on your own way. You got to be like, now nah, you've made it my problem. 
Yeah, if it, if it t- comes to the shop and I know that you're like intentionally doing that, it's yeah, your then problem. It's, yeah, Seth and I were in a. Oh, that's gotta be. I don't want to say awkward, but that's gotta be awkwardish. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, honestly, most of the time they don't do that. People don't do that shit. It's not as common as one might. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I've only ever seen it a couple times where I'm like, you just absolutely know that they poached that thing. You're like, mm-hmm. So then you just turn them in. Well, I got a for instance, right? Seth and I were in this uh, cafe truck stop bait store in Kansas. Mm-hmm. The place was awesome. Opening day of deer season. We got done duck hunting. It's probably like 1030 in the morning. And you can also get licenses and tags there, right? You're talking about that sturgeon spear and poser next to you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we're sitting there having breakfast, talking about our next move, and I just can't help but notice the oddest thing, if you've ever been in the, the hunting and angling community, was every person in line getting a deer tag <laughs> at, at 10.30 oh, in the morning. 10, 30, 11 a.m. was female. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, that... There's something about that, yeah. you know. <laughs> and, then, and then you hear the questions like, "Now, what do you need?" And they're like, oh, "Well, I just uh, like the what do you need tag? to hunt deer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something for an extra buck that's laying on our property." <laughs> oh man, our mom. I shouldn't say this because she's still alive and I'm still alive. But yeah, our mom had a few deer tags over the years. It was just like we didn't even know. It was just so. When I was little, it was like you would. It was so not hidden. It's like you would go to show and tell at school and be like, and then my mom tagged it. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, it wasn't even, if you'd have given me a, like a polygraph or something about breaking the rule, like I, it, my heart rate wouldn't have gone up because I wouldn't have known, I didn't know you weren't supposed to do it. <laughs> They'd be like, did you in fact? I'd be like, eh, no. Because I would have known, I wouldn't have known to be nervous. Right. You know, like, I know it needed a tag. Yeah. I know. <laughs> my mom. My mom's, that's my mom's don't take. But anyway, in a very circular fashion, I could see how situations like that could come back to you. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, here's the tag that goes with the rack. And then eventually somebody comes in and says, hey, did somebody turn in a rack? And what was their name? <laughs> so like, I, I've always been fortunate. We maintain a good rapport with our wardens. Um, and we've had quite a few wardens circulate through our area because we're right in the corner there. So we have like three, up to three wardens that come through and, uh, all we've been very fortunate, very, very nice, very professional wardens. And if they call, call me up and ask me, you know, Hey, did so-and-so bring something in? And if mm-hmm. I have it, I'm like, yeah, it's in the shop. Oh yeah. Could we come get it? Yeah. It's in the shop. Have you ever had any sort of strange things where everything looked up to speed, but then some other guy's in there and he's like, where'd this buck come from? No, I haven't had the, hey, wait a second, that came off my property. I think. Yeah, or like no, that kind uh, of stuff. No. Or like never any kind of crazy stuff like that. A lot, I mean, it'd be hard to like have much visual time with the deer where we live. They're always in the timber, so. I see. A couple trail cam pictures floating around. I know. Uh, Did you ever hear that crazy story? Um, someone actually got prosecuted off this and we talked about it, but it was. It occurred between Tennessee and Kentucky, and I can't remember which direction it went. But there's like a big buck road show, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a buck there that was the state record of wherever the hell, the state record or some, it was honored by the state of Kentucky as being some such thing. And a guy happens to be at the big buck show. 
And he's like, that buck was not killed in Kentucky. Huh. I have trail cam pictures of that buck a couple hundred miles into Tennessee. <laughs> and I'd get it every day, and then it vanished, and that buck was not killed in this state. And the guy was prosecuted over it. For receiving all the, uh, like, award money? Or he he even had or... that. He even had the, what's it called when you move across state lines? Oh, the Lacey Act? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? And this guy, I mean, it was such an unusual buck. And this guy's like, nope, this is on my place. There he is. There he is. There he is. There he is. This is the last we ever saw him. He gets, some guy moved him, <laughs> shot him and moved, tagged him from another state, moved him over and then started parading him around. Wow. Yeah. Yes. It was it was covered in the it was covered in the press a bit, you know. That's what I was kinda of thinking about with that. If you've ever been involved in any stories like that. No, nothing nothing quite that exciting. Yeah. A friend of mine was a LEO up in that neck of the woods a long long time ago and, mm-hmm. and he's like he because of what you said, right? It's like big dark timber country. Mm-hmm. He would volunteer for every game check station because he's like you just never knew what was gonna come out of the woods. Yeah. It's like crazy white tails you know crazy mule deer um and you because you're not in country where you're like seeing this stuff right yeah. they're not getting profiled just, yeah. by a bunch of people yeah. 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 yeah i was in a taxidermy studio one time after ehd came through real bad in the september and holy shit the bucks down there man because people were just bringing them in mm-hmm. it was like bucks you did not know existed <laughs> you know just, people just bringing in deadheads to deadheads get, get them cleaned up and stuff you know but just incredible bucks man and he's like, I don't know, during hunting season, they don't come in, but then here they all are now. <laughs> right, now yeah, right. <laughs> right, because it's like August, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, there they are. Like, all the ones that no one's probably going to look at during hunting season. Yeah, go nocturnal, stay stay yeah. out of the, the view. Yeah. Uh, so back to our, our, our deer. You stretch it and measure it. Mm-hmm. Then, once then you order up your form. Put the hide in the freezer till the form arrives. And then, then the form the, comes in. Then we take the hide out of the freezer and thaw it out. Then we can start mounting it, and you like drape it over it, and you and I see I, I sometimes sometimes catch you guys like mid stride, mm-hmm. and he's all pinned and mm-hmm. pins yeah. holding the eyes and get all your adhesive on there, uh, and depending on how the how you prefer to do your ears, whether you do like a bondo ear or a cartilage replacement ear liner, um, you get all that done, get all your eyes set on the form. If you're doing a change out nose or putting septums into the existing form, you get all that done ahead of time. Um, short Y incision, there's no stitching on the back. So you set your antlers and then you take them out and have a clay, clay edge around it. Then you pull the cape on and then just have just that Y incision open up on the top to take the antlers mm-hmm. out and put it back on. And you just have that small Y to sew back up. And you're sewing it by hand. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is this needle a- and thread. Yep. It, once you start doing that, is it like once you start, you got to finish it or can yes. you walk away from no. it? No. When I start doing any mount, you're pretty much there until you're done. But how do you do the, how do you do the last stitch? For like the tie off? Yeah, but like you don't see it. Well, the last. Do you take it back off and do the last stitch then pull it back mm-hmm. on again? No, usually like uh, I do a full a, a dorsal cut. So it's usually tight. Um, there's no taking it off once it's sewn back on. You'd have to. But you still have to, when it's all done, you still have some stitch you got to make. It's uh, so you on like a shoulder mount, your stitch dead ends over the back and is stapled on to the form. So when it's on the wall, you can't ever see the last stitch. Then you trim off oh, the edge. That's excess. where it ends. Mm-hmm. I got you. Yep. You'll have one that you'll bring over from the first antler base. Like you, there. 
and then the next one you can just catch that one and then go back down so you don't have a knot with a piece sticking up at the top. But you are sewing it on the form. Mm-hmm. Yep. I still understand how you could ever get, like, I, I, I want to see it because I don't get how the hair would lay back so nice. So, like, in the early days, I, you know, you got it on there and you sewed it on and you brushed it all out and let it dry and that was what we did. I mean, that was what we, that was the standard. That was how you did it. And then I had a opportunity to have a guy that was actually, he took a, he took a blue ribbon first place in the world show in the master's division for whitetail taxidermy, and which is a really hard division. I mean, everybody does whitetails for the, for the most part around the country. And there's a lot of guys that are really good at it. Where's, so, where's he from? Uh, Scott Brewer. He's in Washington right now. Oh, and, cool. uh, so Scott, he is working for another artist in town. And I've, in I, your town, mm-hmm. yeah, there's, there, we have at one time when we had Scott and Phil and Daniel Ming was in town, all three of those guys have taken best in world. Oh, wow. Oh, you guys all right. get big fights at the bar. You know, there, there has been a lot of, uh, like historical bickering and pissing matches. <laughs> yeah, well, there was 14 taxidermists in Libby at one time when I was a kid. Whoa. Wow. And then there, and like, there's some really high end talent that is still there. There's some. Really? Still some it's like a talent laden town. Small uh, for, for, town. It, small town. A lot of talent. A lot of taxidermy. And w- some would a taxidermist spat come from like you stole my technique? Or uh, most of the time with those guys, it was like you stole my client. You know, I had done a deer for him and now he's at your place. You you coerced him somehow, you know, or some shit like that. Or, <laughs> Showed yeah. up at his house with a pistol. Oh yeah, right there. there Next book comes to me. <laughs> there was a lot of, a lot of bickering amongst a lot of the taxidermists in town for years. But so Scott ends up in town and I'm trying to f- make connection with Scott because I wanted him to come out and look at my work. I, you know, plateaued. I, I really thought I had a pretty good grip on it. You know, I'd done, by that point, I'd probably done, you know, a few thousand deer heads. She should be fairly skilled at it at that point. So Scott's a certified judge for world on whitetail. And so you can't really get a much better critic uh-huh. than that. So I finally meet him and I was like, would you come out and look at a deer head if I do one? He's like, okay. So I was like, cool. So I do the absolute best whitetail. It was like the cape was perfect. It was like pristine, good hair length, good color. It was a nice buck. You know, it was like, I was like, oh man, this is great. And so Scott is, he's a huge guy too. Like when I first met Scott, it was, wasn't at all what I was expecting. Scott's like 6'3", 250 pounds. He was a Navy SEAL instructor. So he's a <laughs> intimidating large guy. His hands are just huge guy. Very delicate touch. It's really amazing to watch him wear oh, those yeah. giant mitts and a little teeny brush, sure, you know. Yeah. Like, huh. So talk Scott into coming out to the shop and I've got it set up, you know, everything's cleaned out of the way and the deer's on the mounting stand straight up. Right when you open the door, it's like, Lights on it look good. Scott opens the door and he's like, Is that the deer? And I was like, That's the deer. And he's like, That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Really? I was like, Do you need to get any closer to it? And he's like, No, I can tell it sucks from here. And I'm like 20 feet away. And I'm like, I'm like, wow. I was like, that is not at all what I was expecting. I said, I was thinking like, you'd give me a gold star or something. He's like, you're a long ways away from gold stars. What did he not like about it? Which that was the thing, right? Like I had no idea what was wrong with it. Like I had no idea. So when I finally talked him, I'm like, would you tell me what's wrong with it? And he's like, are you going to get it like all, well, I like doing it like that, or that's the way I think it should look. And I was like, no, I said, I, I would really like to know. And he's like, well, if you really want to know, 
I'll help you. So he came out and worked with me for a few months and uh, like direction of hair, the way the hair grows, like you look at a picture of a live deer, the way it grows around instead of just slicked back, mm. the cow licks, uh, your eyelash alignment, how big your bottom lip exposure is to the width of your nose pad. I mean, like a lot, how long your earbud is. If your ear's back, is it actually rolled in the right position? You know, the anatomy of it. Oh. So I've, I had no idea about that stuff. And that's what gives the good ones like that look, Yes. Yeah. You don't have to know why it looks, like what made it look like that, but you can look at the two. Anybody can and be like, wow, that's clean. That looks nice. It looks like yeah. a deer. Yeah. When I shot him, he didn't have newspaper coming out of him. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So just, just getting the opportunity to have those guys at like that next level up or five levels up, wherever you happen to be, come in and actually help you. That's, that's been the key for any, anything that I do well. I've had some really good help over the years. Uh, how many deer are you done at this point? I have no idea. <laughs> A lot. <laughs> Thousands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How many bears passed through your hands? I, uh, I, I wouldn't even have a guess. Really? That many? Yeah, I mean, I, I bet we skin close to a hundred a year, you know, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, thousands Bunch. of bears. So what, what would, uh, given all that experience, like what would be the thing that, uh, gets your, your creativity flowing? Like what, what do you get excited about at this point? The thing that probably makes me the most excited at this point is if it's in a really good condition specimen, not necessarily the size of it or anything, but if it was like just really good condition and somebody wants to do a unique piece with it, that's, that's great. But I, I still, I mean, I still love doing just a game head with nobody else there, nice and quiet, <laughs> just sitting there by myself. Really? Oh yeah. Like I can have my little spot. Everybody works over there. Then I, I work over here. <laughs> you enjoy it. Oh, very much. Yeah. That's still, still my favorite. It's the actually hands-on get to do it. Uh, what was it like with wolves? We're all, you know, one minute there's no wolf hunting, you know, yeah. and all of a sudden there's wolf hunting and you're in the thick of it. And, and all of a sudden like there's wolves coming in. Locally, I, uh, I had always been known for coyote hunting. Like that was my favorite thing to hunt most of the time is coyotes. So everybody had known we did a lot of coyotes. Um, people in Alaska, the Coast Guard guys, they'd ship us wolves and stuff. So I'd, I'd had a lot of canine. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. You were getting wolves from other places. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then, uh when the wolf hunting started, I, I could already see that we were going to have a, it was going to be another viable piece to bring into the business. You know, it wasn't just going to be like, well, we might do a wolf. So like how we do have our own sculptings for the uh, coyote heads. Mm -hmm. I made, I made my own head for a pillow or a life size because I can use it for either way. And then I made a rug shell for an open mouth, like the relaxed open mouth, not the snarled. Yep, yep. And at Clay's that time, got a coyote like that that you did, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At, at one time, if it was an open mouth wolf, back back when the season first came out, there were always like heavy snarls, like way heavy snarls. Um, and I just I never liked that look, so I just went for a passive open mouth. And then uh, I just actually we re redid that mold just probably about October or so. Um, they came out with a new mouth cup for it. So I redid the mold to accept the new mouth cup and uh, just that nice, clean pass. I think I, I posted that one, I think, on my Instagram. Tell people what your Instagram is. Uh, Hayes Taxidermy. H-A-Y-E-S. Yes. Yep. Hayes Taxidermy Studio. Yeah. That's a good page. <laughs> I like looking at stuff, man. It just comes so far. Yes. That's the amazing I mean, I, part. I think the discipline has come a long ways. And then, like, you're like... Uh, 
like an exemplary practitioner of a thing that's already like just so far beyond what it used to be? The, the part where people are not just wanting to just, just have my head stuck on a wall, you know, it's, it's my antlers and yes, it's a, got, I think it's cape on there and that's good enough because I'm never going to look at anything below the antlers anyways. People want to see better work. They want their animal to look lifelike. They want it to be clean. They don't mm-hmm. want it to smell. You know, that's <laughs> people that's As they're yeah. walking out the door and I don't want it to smell. I've had, a, I've had so many mounds come in, people bring them in they're like, hey, this is kind of old, it's funky. And you start opening them up to take them apart and the, the, there had been a healthy population of things living inside the mounds in their house for years. Is that right? Until they completely consumed everything Oh, that's out when of you get left. like, uh, I've had skulls that I found and, and you wonder why there's like a little cone of sawdust mm-hmm. underneath them all the time. <laughs> You're like, yeah, so I, hmm. like a, right. one of those beetles or whatever's in there working yep. away at it. Or the, uh, the little bit of hair, people are like, hey, I'm noticing some hair on the coffee table below the deer head. Do you know what that'd be from? <laughs> like something's eating it. <laughs> but it's not eating there. <laughs> it's like I'd get it out of there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ford, at first light, when uh, he drew his uh, Idaho mountain goat, like uh, most, you know, first time non-resident applicants do in Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> like all the other first light employees draw. Um, it, it took him a long time to get his goat back. And he's like, yeah, is it supposed to smell like this? No. Like it had, like, he's like, I, you kept taking it back. There was a smell. And I was like, man, all right, yep, nope. Nope, not supposed to smell like that. It's supposed to go inside your house. <laughs> well, that's too bad, man. Yeah. Goats and antelope, those are two of the ones that I've seen come in where people are like, it stinks. And most of the time, they didn't sweat the horn off. Oh, dry, you should, you should check on that though. Don't you check on that? If. Oh, when they're dropping it off, it smells. Yes. They like, they yeah. bring a mount in and they're like, this thing smells. I, one of them, they were like, we, we put it out in the shed for six months and it still stinks. And you're, but home, but not that you didn't stuff it. You, no, no. We take the horns off it. Cause everything. you like make sure to <laughs> yeah. do that. Yeah. 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 So I noticed. I wonder um, if you should check and see if that, if they did a shitty job. That's Yeah. If they did a shitty job, because they might have bondoed it back on there, but like it's a bunch of goo up in there. Yeah, you need I to mean, explain long, what you're talking about. So, yeah, so, so horned, most of your horned, and, oh, go ahead. You explain. Yeah, horn sheath yeah. and horn core. Yeah. Case in point. Case in point. My massive antelope. Huh. I wonder about my antelope skull. Well, I was going to bring up your antelope skull mm-hmm. because you, you're. Folks, no, you, like, uh, they sealed, I noticed they yeah. sealed around the bases of the horn sheath, which I'd never seen before. Mo- yeah, most horned animals have a bone core and then a horn sheath. Mm-hmm. Right. Not antlered, but horn. Horn. And there's a lot of funkation. There is a lot of funk between those two things. Oh, man. <laughs> and if you don't get that off, um, you can do a couple different methods, but for most practical purposes, we call it sweating. You get it all skinned out and then you just wrap it in plastic bags, like three, four bags and leave it in like room temperature area for three to five days. We always call that rotting them off. Yeah. You guys call it sweating sweating. them off. It sounds sounds a little cleaner, right? (laughs) (laughs) And then you can just twist and pop them off. Yeah. And on the inside of that thing, it's just like, Mm -hmm. it's just like goo in there, right? The gooiest of goo is the sheep. That one's always, that's impressive. Take those big horns and pop those off. But yeah. And then you're saying like. 
that's what's kind of rotting inside that would give because they will their... dry in place yep if you left it out and like you know if you brought it in the guy just takes the skull cap off yep. and left the horns on and underneath the horns in a year's time hanging up in a building it will dry on there and you would have to soak it in water to oh, get it to come off I'm just gonna never it's never gonna smell right no no uh, my brother danny he's got when he's doing doll sheep he takes a cooler mm-hmm. and takes a contractor bag puts a sheep head in there, pours a cup of water in there, mm-hmm. waits a long time, pulls it out, lays out a piece of plywood on the ground and hucks it at on the, the plywood yep. and pop, you know, and all of a sudden you can wiggle the horn off, Yeah, pop know? right off. Yeah, he's got his whole little system. He's probably <laughs> yeah. got a special piece of plywood for that <laughs> yeah, purpose. Right. You know? <laughs> like a good whap. It is uh, unbelievably foul though. Mm-hmm. Like the, the beer mugs they're making now out of horn so you can drink out of it. I would never drink out of one. Is that right? I've spent too much time. I, like when I see him, I'm always like, huh. You can just smell it looking at it. Yeah, him. like a little Vicks vapor rub and a mask, you know, to help cut down on it. And I'm like, I'm not drinking out of that thing. <laughs> how do, if people wanted to bring something to your studio, but they don't live around you, mm-hmm. how do people, how do they like make that decision? How, like, not how do they make this, that's not the right word. How do, what do they facilitate do? it? Um, like you don't just like stick a deer in the mail. We get a lot of stuff uh, shipped in through FedEx, FedEx and UPS. We get stuff shipped in so they much can, every week. They can skin their deer down to the base of the head, mm-hmm. sever the head. Yep. Use a most commonly like even like this tote here. That's just stuff that we get stacks of totes brought in there. And you'll talk them through the process. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we usually recommend doing FedEx second day air, um, not overnight, because usually it should be frozen and it has to thaw out. You know, and, and they got to have rural. their paperwork square yep. and you help yep. with the paperwork. Yep. And they'll go down and get everything set up. And we had a, a deer show up on... Last night, actually. From? Wisconsin. So he just wanted you to do it. Mm-hmm. That's not a problem. Nope. Nope. No, we get most of our work and is then you from it and out ship, of town. you create it and ship it back to him. Yeah. Yep. We ship all over the country. So you got a guy that's making crates. Mm-hmm. And then we also, this year, there was uh, another company with the, uh, the rise on, f- like, the materials for crating, all the lumber prices. They started doing crateless. So this company doesn't do anything besides ship taxidermy. They just travel around, and so you don't have the cost of the crate factored in. And uh, they have the same systems of plates that we mount all of our stuff to the stands when we're actually working on them. And so they'll just take it and put a plate on it and mount them in the trailer and then just travel around and drop it off. There's a guy in Alaska. It's another good codger job. There's probably multiple guys in Alaska that do that. They, like their business is at the end of the year. Transporting. Hauling all that shit Mm -hmm. down to the lower 48. And then they got drop-off points. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we just had uh, a big moose and a doll sheep dropped off um, at our tannery, and then I'll go pick up the antlers at some point, but we got a long time until it's tanned. And then, uh, like, uh, I have to go over to uh, John Edwards from Schnee's. Yep. Um, they, they harvested a big Yukon moose, and uh, so I'm going to pick up the antlers from them today, and their cape got drop shipped right to one of our tanneries in uh, Michigan. And then uh, we just got confirmation yesterday that it'll be here next week, so... We'll make that loop and pick that up, and they're going to do a half life size in the store. Whoa. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Just the ass end. <laughs> no, yeah, the they ass end will be on the other wall. <laughs> my old man had, my old man had, my brother stole the ass. When you went in the bathroom, ha- inside the bathroom was the pig's ass, and outside the bathroom was the pig's head. <laughs> But he did that thing the guys used to do in the old days where, like, when they probably, probably still do, when you glue the tusks in, 
you barely stick the tusk in mm-hmm. and then glue it so it looks like it's got like huge, yeah, like five inch tusks <laughs> yeah. coming out of it, you know? Like it's half weird. warthog. And now and then you'll see old, uh, where they would like really exaggerate bear fangs too. They'd mm-hmm. let a lot of hang out, let a lot of it hang out yeah. to make it look more ferocious. <laughs> That's not your scene. No. No, I, uh, honestly, I'm, I'm more into just the details of trying to make it look alive again. Yeah. Well, I'm telling you, man, the bear, the, the bear you did, the closed mouth bear rug you did for me. I don't want you to see it's, I'm still waiting for Chester. I'm supposed to be hanging that some bitch up. <laughs> but these guys, Seth and Chester actually have little desks. You know, Chester's not here, but they have little desks next to each other and they call their little area the bear den. <laughs> <laughs> We it's some... like in the Muppets. Those two old men that have that little booth, you know? Statler and Mulder. It's called the medium sketch. The medium sketch? Yeah, it wasn't rare and it certainly wasn't well done. <laughs> but they're in kind of a recessed area. But the, my bear is hanging over the rail in the bear den right now. I'm going to get it hung up. Is Clay's going up there too? I don't know what we're going to do with it. See, now it's going to take a while, but we, yeah, never mind. That gotta, thing is There's huge. a lot of stuff that's got to get moved <laughs> to a new place at some point soon, meaning all of our shit. All of your shit. So it's just hard to get excited about hanging anything up right now. Right. Competitive delivery service where you factor in the cost of me listening to how you got the animal I delivered. <laughs> <laughs> so Not only will stop. I show up to deliver, I will give you an hour of going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then what happened? You don't mm-hmm. say. How far did he go? hmm <laughs> Good hit on it? All the questions. Yep. <laughs> I mean, All we could put some... I mean, oh, yeah. You can sell that Up shit. in your neck of the woods. <laughs> yeah. You got all the retired Border Patrol guys and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, they live for that stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just hanging out at the coffee shop, but they could, you know, a little more new new faces to yeah. tell uh, the old story, too. What caliber? What's the ballistic coefficient on that? <laughs> all right. Hayes Taxidermy Studio. Libby, Montana. <laughs> Do you got more room for more business? You ever yes. turn business Yeah, away? I got a... a Hide in the freezer I told you about. You got room to take that with <laughs> Ab- Absolutely. Oh, he can bring, yeah. bring it with him right now. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Did you get Yanni's Bobcat yet? Not yet. Not yet. We just got, actually, when I was pulling up here this morning, we just got confirmation on the reproductions going. They're in the works for the sheep now. Oh, that's going to be cool. Yeah, that should be pretty neat. Yanni's Bighorn. I'm going to warn you Yanni's now. Yanni's like was, Joe Taxidermy right now. That was the man. first bear I ever skinned, all, and it was all by myself in the middle of the night, so hopefully I did it. Is he missing that. an appendage? That's that's old Stumpy, yeah. Are you going to do a recreation on the appendage? No. Crin's like, put a fish on there. You mean like when... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, put an eagle's yeah. head yeah, coming out of his foot. <laughs> is it black? You got a human arm, you can... <laughs> is it a black color face? Yeah, it's black. Yep. We could put a, another one on there. Yeah, yeah kind of like, like yeah, it the way cool. it was, it's a man. Cool bear. Yeah, yeah it's a cool like story. keep it the way it was. Like Clay's bear. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Like, did you reconstruct that bear's face, or did it stay the same? That bear looked the, like it'd been hit by a lawnmower. Yeah, like the fan uh, of the opera kind of stuff. The face, um, you can only do so much before you distort the shape of the face. We were able to take out as many of the, yeah. the shave outs as My we could. My boys just watched that episode like a week ago. They were like, what's wrong with that bear's head? <laughs> and then we, uh, the ears were so far gone, we had to cut the ears off another stock bear we had then and lay those onto... Oh, no, you guys are talking about different bears. Oh, we are. Yeah, You're talking yeah. about the bear that Clay's bear had that gotten had in a fight. fight. Yeah. He'd been in a fight and oh. had his muzzle all bit up. Yeah. He's talking about Clay had a 
like my um, the biggest black bear, the biggest right. black bear rug, because mm. not just the length, but I mean it's huge. Yeah, like, yeah. just like yeah. Did you do the one, one of Clay's? Anyways, it was all messed face? up. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. He had it was all destroyed, messed that. up, and he rejuvenated it. Got it. Oh, he just like it wasn't like taken <laughs> care of. He didn't know what he's gonna do with it. He had it hanging around his house as just like a rug, yeah. like, as like a tanned hide. Yeah. My bad. I thought we were talking about oh the bear that got bit yeah. up by a bear. Yeah. I don't know what he did with that bear. Yeah, that thing turned out great. It was uh, it was lucky. We uh, luckily we had the right bears in stock to use to take pieces off to replace yep. parts and stuff. So it was we definitely uh, got lucky on that. And one. my bear is beautiful, man. My closed mouth bear rug. I'm a real <laughs> sucker for rugs, man. I like those bear rugs. I like rugs. Oh, I've always, I've always did a enjoyed, great job of it, man. It looks amazing. Enjoyed doing them. Uh, a lot of places kind of look down on rug work. They're like, ah, eh, you know, maybe I have my my wife do that or something. Oh, you I know? didn't know that. Yeah, it's not really, not really a like prestigious rugs. thing. I got like, mm. I gave some away, but yeah, I mean, I got like a mountain lion rug, mm-hmm. a Himalayan tar rug that I gave to my buddy. A lot of bear rugs. Love them. I like, I like those mountain goat rugs. Do you have a Neil Guy rug? Yeah. The old tiny no. ones with like the no, red fringe on the out. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always liked those a lot. I I, th- I think a, a well done rug is really beautiful. Oh, bad course, rugs man. for bad. You know, I'm saying bad anything. You know, bad rugs for bad people. <laughs> 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 All right, Hayes Taxidermy Studio. <laughs> Get I'm yourself you a squishy your, pillow. Guarantee not to lose your stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, it does beautiful stuff. Go look at the crazy ass coyote squishy thing as Steve Ronella. Make sure to hit follow when you're there on Instagram. Go to Hayes Taxonary Studio and see for yourself. Beautiful work. I live in Montana. And uh, send a box over there. We'll be there. Yeah. Rough skin it, so it's got a lot of fat and meat on it. Throw a jar of salt on there and... Do they need to send you an email beforehand that like, hey, I'm sending a box, or do you just get boxes from? Yeah, I strongly encourage <laughs> yeah, okay. contact before. Okay, contact before. Yeah, we actually had a uh, amount of animal shipped to us with no name, <laughs> no contact, <laughs> no nothing, and I was like, well, you know, we'll run it through the tanning process, and it was probably the most patient customer we ever had. It was about four years later. This guy calls up and he's like, hey, man. <laughs> Where's my whatever it was? And I'm like, who are, like, who are you? You know, and he gives me his name and I was like, okay. So I go to the alphabetical file trying to find him. I was like, when did he send it? And he's like, it's been a long time. I'm like, all right. So I'm rifling through there. I'm like, you're not even on file. And I was like, wait a second. Was it, did you ship it? He's like, yeah, that's me. I was like, well, you got to put your name in it before you send it to me. There was nothing there. He's like, oh. You still got it? And I was like, yeah, we still got it. So we were able, yeah, able to get it done and get it to him. Oh, that's great. Man. That's <laughs> yeah. a happy ending to the story. <laughs> All right, everybody. John Hayes, thanks a lot for joining. Thank you very much. Send, send all your texts and reorder to John. He'll get you squared away. Does beautiful work. And I should point out the Freedom Mounts look amazing. Oh, I call them Europe. I don't like. Remember how they had to rebrand French fries during the Iraq invasion? Yes. I don't like calling them European mounts. Freedom Mounts. Freedom Mounts. That's what I like to call I like them. that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you charge beautiful. less or more for freedom? If it's called a freedom mount, <laughs> I would charge a little less. A little less. Just the skull. But the bear is beautiful. I like how it's pinned. This way, when your kids pick it up to show their friend and the jaw doesn't fall out, oh, the teeth fall break in half. Yeah. <laughs> right. You prevent all that from happening. I feel like there's two things wrong with the European mount. It's a little more expensive, and it's going to smell like cigarettes. <laughs> freedom mount over here. All right. Thanks a lot, everybody.
Hey, you ever needed something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? You can do that at Aaron's. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, or refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech. Plus, Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. Life's always changing. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aaron's store or visit Aaron's.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. You got to see your local store for details. Hey everybody, listen up. I got I got mega huge news. Meat Eater Live is heading back out on the road. That's right. Join me and the crew. Clay Newcomb, Cal, Yanni, Spencer's going to be there. Phil the Engineer is going to be there. Meet it or live, headed back out. Now, when you get every ticket, okay, every ticket you buy, you get a signed copy of our new Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook. This tour is celebrating the release of the book. Buy a ticket, get a signed copy, Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, Wild Game Recipes for the Grill, Smoker, Camp Stove, and Camp Fire, which I'll point out is a $38 value. Here's where we're going to go. April 23rd, the Mesa Art Center in Mesa, Arizona. April 24th, the Balboa Theater in San Diego. April 25th, the Grove in Anaheim, California. April 27th, the Crest Theater in Sacramento. April 29th, the Union in Salt Lake City. April 30, the Egyptian in Boise. May 1, the Wilma Theater in Missoula. May 2, the Bing Crosby Theater in Spokane, Washington. May 4, Revolution Hall in Portland, Oregon. And May 5, the last day of the tour, Pantages Theater in Tacoma, Washington. For tickets and more information, visit the events page at themeateater.com. Hope to see you at the show.